All right, we're live. Let's get going. Max, we got to pump you up. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. I think that's a little old for you. <laughs> very old for you. Very, very, very old for you. All right, Max. Uh, this is our second day of recording this week. Um, you know, we have a lot. It's of gonna be a long ass fucking podcast again. We went for an hour yesterday. Hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, 20, hour and thirty minutes almost. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, let's let's drop that intro and let's just let's just get into it. What you say? Yeah, man. Okay, professor of everything and left to the right. We're out. Nitro is the glory. But E-Buggy pays the bills. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this money-grabbing book races. Hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. Yeah. See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say but it's definitely worth a listen and our pick can you stop whatever you're doing join your host Letty the great with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our city. hey after that race that i watched this morning i have to talk about it here we go 100 bucks right here 100 throw oh no <laughs> i like this Yes, indeed, Nitro is the glory, but E-Buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 223. That's right, 223 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keena White, a.k.a. Left the Great. Over there, who is now known as the Professor of Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this name sticks. It's just, like, just amazing. I mean... I think it's not much different from, you know, Arrogant Max, but it's just, oh, I love this one. <laughs> this is like, you know, it, it's, it, it has the same meaning still, you know, but it's not as obvious. So someone can misunderstand it. Oh, my gosh. It, we already have uh, some of the listeners already calling you the professor. So there you go. I, yeah. you just, you just, you're just pissing off more people every podcast i love it i love it. i don't even try to piss anyone off i'm just i don't know i, I tell how it is you know oh my like gosh. It it all right uh so right uh so just a r- real quick arrogant max is there uh, the professor professor of everything got to meet briefcase this week yeah. um so for, for for our american friends this podcast is 100 european i'm gonna say that like it's all about eos yeah. dawn it's about Montpellier. It's it's all about that. I am doing a separate Snowbirds podcast with Hefty and an INS recap. I'm hoping uh, Maddie G is going to be on that with me and maybe Raging Aiden Horn. I was just talking to him. That will probably drop Monday. Uh, but this this week, it's all about EOS Long because it was a great event. Uh, our friend Will Venables, who's our co-host, who joined us, he actually attended the event. 
Uh, I've known Will for many years. Uh, Max really enjoyed it. It looked like he was just sitting off like, oh, I finally have a fellow European <laughs> that isn't JQ on her. Yeah. And I thought it was a good chat. Uh, uh, he told yeah. a very good story about the race. He was there. He was able to tell us a lot of things about it. He's been there quite a few times. And it was really good having Will on. Thank you, Will. Uh, Venables, Venables uh, a.k.a. Briefcase. I know he doesn't like that nickname, but it's just going to stick. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let me get on. Uh, let me say my thank yous, Max. Uh, we got a couple of shout outs <clears throat> and we're going to get right into it because we do have a lot of questions. Uh, I have a rant. And of course, we have the main interview, uh, which is the EOS Dawn recap. Uh, so let me get on. First off, I want to say thank you to all of you guys out there. The NNRC squad, uh, we're cont- continuously growing. Our Instagram's growing. The YouTube's slowly growing. It's like a trickle. What is going there? It's where YouTube, you get three like subs and then lose two. I'm like, what? what's going on there? Uh, but uh, we greatly appreciate that support and still strong on the audio side of things. Uh, great. Thank you to the NNRC squad around the world. It's truly incredible that uh, I still find it hard to believe that people around the world listen to what we have to say. And we ramble on for hours, but I greatly appreciate that. I guess you guys love RC racing as much as us. Uh, shout out to the patrons of the podcast of the NNRC. You guys uh, will get early release of this. I think uh, we'll get this done while we're recording. This is actually Thursday. So thank you to you guys. If you wish to become a patron or a YouTube member, the links for that is in the written description of this podcast. Certain perks you get with the Patreon is you get patron-only giveaways, and we do have giveaways. Uh, I also post a lot of the links to races and stuff like that. So if you really want to keep an eye on, don't want to go through all my Facebook stuff and all that stuff, uh, I try to transfer a lot of what's in Facebook or whatever I post on Facebook to Patreon as well. Uh, also, thank you to these awesome companies that support the podcast uh, going into 2023. They are Invisible Speed, Mayako, High Tech RC, uh, Padao RC, TNR Fuels, Techno RC, Beach RC, Clinic RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Ignite Design RC. Super happy to have them on. Racecraft USA. We did an interview with Chase Ehrlich last week. Call RC. Save 10%. Use promo code NNRC. RCGP, House of RC with their 2.0 drop. We discussed that in last week's podcast. Ronald Folk Racing, JTP, RC, and good luck to our good friend, Bobby Batty. Bobby Battier, who's going to Montpellier. We're going to talk about that more. And congratulations to our good friend, the doctor, uh, Alexander Hagberg. He got a, thir- a second in 12 scale and a third in uh, touring car at the Snowbirds this past weekend. Also, uh, remember everybody, Links and coupon codes and affiliate links for these pod for these sponsors of are in the written description of this podcast. Showing them some love, shows the podcast and love. If you don't have a link or affiliate link, uh, just leave them a message and say you heard about them on the No Name RC podcast. And we are still currently looking for some uh, additional companies to join us for this year. Also, I just want to take a quick shout out. Uh, as you guys know, I am going to DNC here very shortly. I'm geeking out of it, and I've been reaching out to various companies to uh, help me go to this, you know, this costs money. Things have to be, you know, things have to be, tickets have to be bought, hotels have to be paid for, all that type of stuff, food, rental of equipment, all that stuff. So I want to say thank you to all those companies, but I want to say special thank you uh, because they just opened up their online shop uh, to HRCR. Uh, They've been in operation for one year, the Eaters. Uh, I met Brian and his son. I met the whole family at at, at Silver State, but I did meet them at DNC. They've been racing a lot They're up there in Idaho. They built a great RC facility. 
they got indoor off-road uh, and they just, they got outdoor on-road and outdoor off-road and they're just waiting for the snow to melt. But uh, thank you to them. They came on to help bring us, uh, bring the NNRC and myself to uh, <clears throat> DNC. And uh, you can go to www.hcrcidaho.com and use the promo code NEW10 to save 10% on that. So go check them out and congratulations on them being open a year. They really like racing. They were like, They'll go into the hot race. They've been they've been hitting the circuit really hard. Him and his son. So thank you to them. We have one spot left uh, for the DNC coverage. If you're a company interested, you like what we do at these races, uh, and you think uh, I I know that's a great place to advertise. You get your name in the overlay. You get your name in the in the intro. Shoot, hit me a message. I need to get that all some uh, all done because next week I'm sending in all my stuff to Danny Paz to do my intros and my overlays. So hit me up. Max, uh, quick shout out to my good friend and Salt's nephew, Kimo. It's his birthday today. I didn't realize how it is. Shout out to Salt's nephew, Kimo, there in Bermuda. Happy birthday to you. And I'm probably missed some birthdays, but I, I, I'm sorry if I did. Uh, Max, um, so uh, just so, so people have a quick synopsis of what we've done. Like I said, we had Will come in. We talked about EOS on this podcast. We've already recorded this. We recorded that yesterday. Uh, and then we've come back. We've got quite a few questions for you this week. Uh, we've got some news to talk about, not too much, but we got some to talk about. And I quickly want to talk about the Montpellier, uh, GP that we have coming up this week. That's actually, uh, people are getting there today. So you see all the, uh, I have arrived at Montpellier GP. I just watched a Nemo walk about of the track, all that stuff. So I'm getting excited for that. So with that said, Max, we're going to move on and go on to the high tech. Unless you had anything to add that you want to shout out. You know what? Do do you and JQ uh, have the same exact mouse that just clicks extremely loud? Oh, <laughs> it's a similar mouse, I think. Do you know that's like my super pet peeve if JQ is like, click, click. It's super loud, dude. Super loud. Super, super duper loud. All right, Max. Um, yeah, man. Hey, dude, it was a, it was a lot of racing going on this past weekend, Max. Yeah, I don't know how it happens that all the races are on the same weekend. Like, you have Snowbirds, EOS, INS, like all three races where there's like top level, like fastest right. races in Europe, and fastest and then there was races America, just then. all around the world, like just yeah. in different regions of America. Like the PNW had a race. I. I you know, like I haven't had a, you know, I had Chase on her, but I, I like this week I wanted to have a guest on, but it's like, hey man, we had a little break of Christmas and it's just been race after race after race after race. Yeah. I find myself almost every weekend just tuning into a race, which is fine for me. Not my wife doesn't like it too much, but it's fine for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we can't even stop because we got Montpellier this weekend. Then I'm thoroughly kicking myself in the ass for not going out earlier to dnc i should have flown out there on the friday or the thursday and went to the hot race race but nobody i wasn't i wasn't sure what people were going to do and i i just i kind of wanted to come in and out of dnc i didn't want to spend no extra time there but now i'm like i really want to go to the hot race race because that's going to look stacked like you got tasman going there barufalo roberts going there tebow Havidas. Like a lot of people in California are going there. Like people are coming uh, from, you know, people are doing that whole coming over for the weekend before the whole, the, the whole DNC pilgrimage. That's what they're doing. Yeah. The whole DNC pilgrimage. It's so good to see. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. But I'm also excited about this weekend because I love this race. I, lo- I really do love Montpellier. All right, Max, anything to add before we go into some high-tech RC news? No. No, I'm good. Nothing. Nothing no. at all. Now we need why. to get you a silent cheer. Yeah. We gotta work on your studio. Now that you moved in, we gotta work on your studio. You need to get you a proper chair that you're comfortable. You know, it's not creaking like that. Yeah. What, what <laughs> did you find that chair like on the side of a dumpster or something like that? I mean, they are mostly secondhand because my girlfriend is uh my girlfriend is one who prefers secondhand. I, I understand that, but you can get secondhand good stuff. I mean, it just, it's all right. It just creaks a bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's above creaking. It's definitely like sounds like it's on the verge of breaking. No, it's all right. They are quite sturdy. They just like when I move the side to side, they make. Let's it not move. Creaking. Let's not move. Let's not move, and let's not <laughs> let's not click the mouse. Let's not click yeah. the mouse. All right. All right. So as you know, this week's RC news is brought to you by High Tech RC, who's also helping us go to DNC. And they just dropped their new RDX 1000 uh, ACDC dual port discharger and power supply. They also dropped the dropped the AD, AD350. I have the RDX2 Pro right here. This is uh, a little bit bigger. It's a little bit, it's a dual, a dual charger as well with a sleek and modern design. Easy to transport handle. So it, it looks like a little generator, like you carry it like that. Uh, and it ha- it is the RDX2 1000 is the ACDC powerhouse. You need to charge your high capacity battery packs at a rapid rate. The dual outports each offer 20 amps of power to simultaneously charge two batteries of any chemistry, or you compare the outputs out you compare the outputs to charge at rates up to 35 amps. The RDX2 features 1000 features easy to use LCD interface. Display handy push buttons while the front panel XTX connect XT60 connectors and XH balance boards help keep wiring uncluttered. It's high charge and discharge rates for lowering resistance and improving power make it perfect for stock racers, accepting both DC, 12 volt DC, and 100 to 240 volts AC. The RDX2 1000 is the ideal charger at home or in the field and perfect for all hobbyists needing ultra fast charging of their larger batteries. Also, they dropped the AD350, which is an analyzing de- discharger. The high-power AD350 is ideal for discharging and analyzing both nickel and LiPo batteries. It's a PC interface and higher capacity offer extended capacity and convenience to help you maintain ultimate battery performance. All products available now. You can go to High Tech RC where to buy to find out where you can get these awesome products. Thank you to High Tech RC for all the support. Let's get on to some RC news. Um, we're still having little silly seasons, trickles here, Max. Very trickles, uh, just slight trickles of uh silly season. I I I think you know the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Well, I've noticed, you know, there. yes. So Gatsu <laughs> and Bayer, both like a week out, both X-ray stalwarts announced the out at hot wing. Something's up here. Something is up. Something I've said. Yeah, this I don't know. It's weird. I think Bruno is still with Hobby Wing, right? I believe. Yeah. So that's weird. I think they all joined Hobby Wing kind of because Bruno was there, so they wanted all to be under the same brand. But now Bayer and Gutsul both leave. 
So I wonder what's in like what's the next round for them because generally they do work with you know one brand at a time. Or maybe they're developing their own. I don't know. Perhaps, but I I don't know if that would be the case. I don't know. Something just feels different about this. That's all. I'm just gonna say that. Just yeah. gonna say. I don't know. I just have a like my spidey sense is tingling. Neil Craig to Hot Race. This was a bit of a shock because he's been kind of pro line for quite a long time. Yeah, I think I think because CML was the distributor for pro pro line for a long time, I believe. Mm. But then at one point it kind of all went downhill. I think it was when you know Horizon bought it because then uh. they they are also the associated distributor. You know, right? So, so there's must, some conflict uh, there. There must be some conflict there. Probably not like conflict, conflict, but at least something that it's not, you know, sensible business or whatever. Um, mm. And also, to be honest, like Proline, like for some, for some reason, Aiden Horse Horn is still there. I know, but I know. He I won know. on he won on them this weekend too. Yeah. So I don't so. know. No, like, and the funniest thing is like Fend isn't running for them. So like, there really isn't anyone running for Proline right now except for Aiden Horn. I would say so. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with you. That that is intense skill that can that can do that can win like he won this past weekend. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be on to talk about that. Uh, but yeah. So do you think it's a natural? I think we're gonna see because I mean Neil Craig races a lot of of tenth scale. So are we gonna start seeing? Are you think we're gonna start seeing hot race just get right into the tenth scale offer a tire market here? I mean, they are somewhat in in there already. Like, I think, I think they were a tire for at least some races somewhere. But the issue kind of is that, like in Europe, every race is spec tire event, you know. So there really mm-hmm. isn't any point in having tire sponsors for ten scale. Maybe in America. I don't know. I think it's just for you know eight scale to have you know a big big guy race for. Eight scale uh, in the UK race. because in the UK there really isn't many hot race drivers to be honest. Everyone's racing Sismic or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of only Sismic right now. I don't think it's pro. The pro circuit has some some drivers, but I mean not like big drivers, but they have like some quantity of people. But I think mostly just drive Sismic. Okay, all right. Uh- Angaro finally announced the Matrix. I have to say, I really like this announcement. I like that it came up and saw yeah. his name. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, he came in with the trophy, signed the camera, whatever. I was like, glass. yeah, that was like God. a that was like a boss move. So yeah, it definitely looked like he was the he was the man in that video. And I mean, yeah, I is, like that. So. I like that type yeah, of market. Keep one. it up. Yeah. I like that. Uh, blah blah blah. Still on tires. Uh, JC has released some new oh, yeah. Astro and carpet tires. I know Brad Maynard has asked about this, but it caught my eye and I was going to talk about it anyway. So, um, so yeah, the few things I'm like really baffled about is why doesn't um, Schumacher make uh, staggers or at least some fusion type tire for use for eight scale in the front, because um, uh, here 
Um, I don't know what J Concepts calls these, but effects. They are called, like okay, a, they are called, I know what they're called. Hold on, I'll let you know. It's something like like Swagger. So, so this is called, no, it's called Swagger. The Swagger 1 8th Boggy. Yeah, yeah. And then this is called the, I just saw it, the Nessie. Nessie. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, they, it's, it's basically just like staggers and, and darts, but then J Concept nice. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing I'm wondering about why haven't they made a tire for eight scale, because they do race like, for example, uh, Netherlands, Belgium, um, quite a bit in the UK as well. They race Germany, Germany race in Astra as well. So yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of countries who... North of France. Yeah, yeah, north of France, they do that too. So there's quite a bit of places where they race some pure Astro tracks for eight scale. And I like, they use uh, like Schumacher spirals or mini pins. Mm-hmm. But, and now like J Concepts came out with, you know, their addition to that. So they have the kind of a dart style tire and then the Stagger Schwager <laughs> tire for the front. Um, and I think I think this this can be much better because the issue with the spirals and the mini pins is that you have to cut the pins a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you you have to like either dry mold or cut the pins quite much. So I think this type of t- tire would be much better for the front. Um, and considering like four wheel drive, ten scale, you run already staggers in the front on on most tracks. Some like depends. Some series run with a different one, but uh, for example here. In Finland, and I believe some other races we've raced with staggers in the front, also an Astro, not only on carpet. Yeah, I, I've never seen. So you said that, okay, so maybe I didn't pay attention, but they use staggers on four wheel drive, right? Yeah, yeah. Four wheel drive front, they use it. On the rear, you always have, you know, pin tires. Right, right. I just never really seen. Maybe I just haven't paid attention. It just yeah. looks weird, like, to see that in an eight scale car because it's so much. I guess it's the same as four wheel drive, so I guess it's just yeah. yeah. Interesting. I wish Interesting. I wish they made you know that fusion type of front tire that what you got on four wheel drive for carpet, you know, kind of that type where the edges are like staggers, but then you have still some thread in the middle to mm. to give you okay. four wheel drive. I think. Um, I, I I really want to know. So I, I asked Scott, but he hasn't answered me what he thought of this because his uh, AstroTurf race. Uh, he says <laughs> he says I haven't seen them. I expect they'll wear more than mini pins. Well, I say, yeah, what? so that's what I was going to say too. The issue usually is because J Concepts has the exact same, like this thread pattern they released the Nessie and the Schwager. Um, both of them they have for ten scale as well. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we tried them in Finland against the J concept, um, the Schumacher tires. And the issue is always that they are slightly slower and they, they also don't really last anymore than the Schumacher tires. Or most of the time they last less, you know, wear, have more wear in them. So it's kind of like just <laughs> like the Schumacher compound, the tire, for some reason they are just very good. As they are, uh, well, I'm, I'm talking about more of having these swaggers on. I, I'd be very interested. Yeah, to see how so I think scale. I think that's 
th- that is the biggest thing because I don't believe Schumacher offers daggers for eight scale. They only offer pins and spirals. Right. Um, so I think that could be something that might get these tires to be more popular. But to be honest, like Schumacher could just make those. I mean, uh, isn't Schumacher like the distributor of J Concepts, I believe, in the UK? I believe so. Yeah, that is true, actually. So maybe they won't. I don't know. Hard to say. I don't know. Just, I'd be very interested to see how this tire... Does, you would think that this tire would come out of a European country because of the com- the amount of well maybe yeah. it's, it's Schumacher maybe it's Schumacher and them I don't know I don't I just I haven't seen anything like this so I want to know how it works. Yeah, it's it's hard to say like what's the deal uh, why J Concepts came out with this because as far as I know like Astro Racing in America for eight scale isn't that common but so it's I don't, pretty I think much it's non-existent. Yeah, so this is pretty much only European market. And then, like, if their UK distributor is Schumacher, then, like, why wouldn't Schumacher? It's it's a weird, it's a confusing scenario. I know, I know, confusing. I just, I'm very yeah. interested to see how this tire performs. That's it. Yeah. So I think, I'm, I'm very I think for sure this, this Wagger front tire is going to be a good thing because it, it must reduce the amount of, you know, cutting pins or dremeling. Right, it has to. Like, the point would be yeah. that this works just as good as not having to be a pain in the ass grinding on tires. Yeah, and and for me, at least, it has worked that way in 10 scale, you know? In 10 mm-hmm. scale, you don't really have to do that with with the staggers. Okay, sweet. All right, um, I don't have anything to add to that. So, um, <laughs> Max is like, What's all this noise going on? I can see it in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she was doing. She was just getting She's all like, stuff in. Damn RC nerds. RC yeah. nerds. All right. Uh, that's enough high-tech RC news. Thank you, uh, high-tech, for uh, for all your support. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a quick look at the Montpellier GP. But before that, we do that, I'd like to say thank you to Ignite Design RC, the, ga- the number one gas truck conversion company in the world, bringing you... Uh, Bringing gas trucks back to the track near you, Ignite Design RC makes nitro conversion kits for your team associate, X-Ray and TLR, electric stadium trucks, and now also carries everything you need to complete the kit and go racing. Uh, there's a link in the written description of this where you can save 10% off a one-time purchase. Uh, that is only good to the end of February. Uh, if you was interested in getting one of these awesome Ignite Design RC gas truck conversions, uh, you can save 10%. Uh, so use that link and thank you to ignite design rc another company that's helping us go to dnc thank you mr jimmy uh been talking to him quite a lot got a very thriving hobby shop down there in the panhandle of florida he says he, he's so busy he can't you know what he said to me he goes he has nitrous to glory but tracks us pays the bills that's what he said to me <laughs> i was like you are yeah. right you are definitely right yeah. all right max uh so we have <clears throat> uh we're gonna we, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this with Will, I remember. But let's take a quick look at the Montpellier GP, my favorite race of... Uh, one of my favorite races. Like, you know, like... So now we have SIC. Then we got the TNR race in America. So those are like the two first big races for America. But this is the... Okay, we have the one-man race in Italy. But this race here is like the big race. Like, pretty much everybody... That's anybody in... RC racing are going besides the Viking who's probably saying I'm yeah. saving it all for DNC, but everybody's think, going to this race. Yeah. 
Montpellier is kind of like the southern Europeans race. You know, not I mean UK UK people tend to uh, go over quite often, but um like usually it's just southern Europeans mostly, you know. Northern Europeans kind of the season starts a bit later. Most of them are still focusing on 10 scale when the Montpellier happens. So but yeah, uh, it's 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 definitely like if you look at you know the past. I mean, I think the race has been on like at least twenty years now. More than that, I think yeah, it's I like think thirty I, plus years old. Yeah, it's 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 probably like thirty. Um, and if you look at throughout throughout that time, it's probably been like the biggest race. Maybe Neo was the bigger one in Europe. I'm obviously not taking into account the Euros themselves, but. Neo probably the biggest of all time, and then and this race has attracted international second. drivers like Mayfield's been there, Lutz has been there, and unfortunately, it's not been kind to the American races because it's a very hard track. It's it's permanent. Uh, there's lots of people that are local to the track or local drivers that are really fast, uh, but they did make a change, a big change, a really big change in my opinion, like putting a crossover there, and basically. You go a different way that you used to go before now. And um yeah. It's different. It's way different from yeah. years. But, but I think to be on to to talk more about, you know, the why it's a difficult race is because it's um it's a very weird surface. It's like very slippery, but then you still so, like kind of have grip. It's uh, and then it's like, you know, very oily type of well, surface well so, i don't I did know if they use it but like well i did watch the the numa racing tv uh pit walk that sorry track walk that lee martin and john hazelwood done john hazelwood done john actually went to the the warm-up and they were both saying that it's less oil than normal so girlfriend's looking for some uh what you call it string String? What is she making? Fighting. She's sewing in some patches or something. Ah, uh, she's looking for thread. Then. Thread, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thread. That's okay. the word. Sewing in some patches. Yeah, they said less oil this year. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say. It's very hard to predict because like last year, for example, it got rained out. So then it was yeah. completely different again. And then some <laughs> years they get like snow. Some years they get like just rain some years it's hot it's very Dude, it's different cold. year to year it's you normally it's cold, cold at this race yeah it's usually cold but like I, the i believe the grip changes quite a bit you know year i remember year. the one year they rained and they threw sawdust on and it just i was yeah. like no way this track is gonna be able to run and it was able to run in in no time at all it was actually a great race unfortunately we was robbed of a, a probably a great race to rain and it was actually Ongaro that won. Yannick Eigen won second because he won his. He was like, oh, because it rained in one of these guys' semis, right? I remember now. It did rain in one of their semis, and then Barufu came third. But they had the warm up uh, a few weeks ago. Kanas was on fire, and yeah, it was the same last year. Kanas like dominated everything last year, and then the race came, and then it rained, and then Ongaro ended up winning. <laughs> so it was it was a bummer for him because he was really really fast already last year, and he's been. He's, this has been one of his strongest races always. So this is That's, like a strong I'm, track for him. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm picking him for the win. I'm yeah, picking I him for the win. Yeah. 
I'm going to say him, <clears throat> Ongaru. Ooh, I know Robert's won this race before, but I, I see somebody like Barton doing really well, you know? Yeah, it's surprising. Barton has been usually quite good at this race. Like, right. even at his Kyosho time, he's quite good. But then the warm-up that was earlier on, he did quite poorly. He, I think he... But I don't need, I don't know if he even made the A. Must have had some issues to be honest. But. All right, uh, my dark horse gunner. I I think um, I think Johnny Skidmore is going to do. I see his gun. I think just his gun. He is going. If I'm for sure, I don't think both of them are going. I know they have. He has made the main at this race before. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And when I say dark horse, I think we'll see him do really well at this race, like better than usual. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is quite close to the UK tracks. Like, not in terms of layout, but in terms of surface. surface. Like, there is no oil tracks. You have that smooth, smooth surface. Different so surfaces. That's, that's gonna be that's gonna be good for him. And also, like, he is one of the fastest guys like that are gonna go to this race. So I, I would be expecting him to make the main. To be honest. And to be honest, this is one of the last real Euro style. Not last. Major Euro style races where our races help. You don't oh, see many Euro yeah. style tracks like this anymore. Yeah, and the, the weird thing is like the layout itself is not very Euro style, but the sort of multi surface, uh, very permanent layout that is very Euro style. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'd call it a very French track to be honest. <laughs> probably, probably, I, I, yeah. I could have seen that. It, it does have a lot of bank turns and stuff like that yeah. as well and then that polished concrete which they say should have more grip this year as it's getting older so we shall see if you guys want to check out a, a, a thorough track walk of that check out nemo racing tv uh rc mag on youtube will be having will have the stream it will be all in french people so just it, it will be that in french i'm sure my rcm will have scoring i will i will post all these links in on the on the nnrc facebook discord and patreon and Circus RC will be there as well with pictures. And I believe Nemo Racing will be given some updates and stuff. They, they, I would look forward to seeing what they have to say in English. So, and then maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get Robert on her next week to give us a debrief of the race. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. So that's what you guys can watch this weekend. Uh, follow all the links on the NNRC podcast. It's a great race, everybody. I know. A lot of people kind of want to, it's different when you don't have the overlay. I think RC Mag has the overlay. They have an overlay, yeah. Okay, they do? Um, okay. Yeah. At least they usually have. I know last right. year it's, they had some, I don't know what No, it wasn't. It wasn't RC Mag last year. Yeah, it was, they had. They didn't have the normal guys there. There was just some guy with a phone pretty much. Yeah. So, so but yeah, usually when RC Mag has been there, it's been quite, quite high level, to be honest, just in French. I would agree with you. I'd agree with you. So check it out, guys. It's just in French, but just watch the score, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you'll be all right. All right, Max. I think that's it. I don't have anything else to talk about or add to Montpellier. Uh, I think we should just go right into the questions. We do have quite a few. Oh, questions. hey, should we do picks? Top three picks? Okay. I did forget about that. Uh, so I, I did mine. I had, um, I have Canas, Angaro, Barton. Okay, I'm gonna go with um, Omaro Canas uh, Batia. Do you know I want to pick Robert, but I Bobby, 
but I want to don't want to jinx him. But I think if he would want to win this race, but I think a top three would be great. A top yeah. five would be great. Yeah. A top five would be think, good. A top three would be yeah. great. I think he oh, would be over the yeah, for sure. I think because this is definitely not the type of track where he excels. You know, he's won it before, yes, but it's not like his favorite type of track. I, I bet at least not for the way he drives. What he usually is very successful on. So I, I wouldn't expect him to win, to be honest. But I think he had good speed at the warm up, and he's like they had only short mains, so he's really good at them long mains. So yep, yep, this is I'm, very. I'm true. thinking he is. He has some shot to do really well, and also like the Mayako is quite a good car for long mains. So. Like all of that, I think he can do really well with it. I'll be watching. I will yeah. be watching. All right, man. I think it's time to go on to some RC bench racing QA. And that is brought to you by Beach RC. We want to thank Beach RC for all their support. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, we have an affiliate link for it. If you guys can use it, it will help us out a lot. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Thank you to BeachRC. I think I'm going to have Brent on that next week to uh, chat it up. I haven't sat off and chatted with him for a long time. A lot of lots changed. He's been up to a lot of stuff. I also see that Wheel and Trigger dropped a podcast with Kyle Neary of the Wolf Den. Uh, go check that out on YouTube. And thank you to Lucas for all the support. And keep up the good work with your YouTube Lucas, and you can find the affiliate link in the written description of this podcast. All right, Max. So we have some Instagram story questions. We're starting to get more on this than our actual Instagram posts. And this goes from Easy Does It RC. Can you guys do more 10 scale off road races, please? Uh, well, we just, this whole podcast is about 10 scale off road. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good timing yeah. for that question. And yes, I think we should, because this is 10 scale worlds year. I think more brands are going to send their drivers over to races. I think EOS is coming back quite strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah, American scene is like, it's quite like Aiden Horn, Rivkin, uh, Fend. And, uh, yep. um, I think Mayfield's going to get back to it now. World's here. He has some AE cars. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's going to be quite, like quite Tom a good year for Tenska. Yeah, he's fast too. I think he TQ'd mm-hmm. around at the ILS. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's lots of like these top top guys um in both Europe and America. So yeah. I think it's gonna be a good year for Tenska. All right. Uh from Helion RC, do you think artificial surfaces will become popular in eight scale like it has become in ten scale? I don't think so. Not in for America. It's that, it's popular in Europe though, Max. It is popular in Europe. It is. But it, it has like it, it it has to be a place where it rains a lot, you know. If it's a place where it's really dry, then the issue often is that it wears our tires really fast, you know. It's it's like way too grippy when it's hot, and then it wears your tires out quite fast. So it's not it's not really much better than dirt, you know. 
So but then when it's, you know, like not like how would I say, like medium, not not rain, not doesn't rain a lot, but doesn't rain like very little, then mm-hmm. most people just prefer dirt, like actual dirt. Then you can run it, you can water it if needed, and it will rain quite often naturally. But then when you go go to like Netherlands, Belgium, UK, where it rains quite a lot, it's kind of a swamp land all of it. <laughs> not, not to be offensive, but That's it true. effectively it effectively is under the water for most of the part. So it's hard to actually do a dirt track there. You know, just the soil is very soft. Um, it's gonna rain a lot. It's it, like just too too much moisture. So places like that, yes, astro racing is pretty much all they do in like Netherlands and Belgium. But then UK, they do oil, oil tracks and stuff like that. So I think what it would take, well, actually, Nemo Raceway is one good example of what mm-hmm. could be the direction for, you know, perhaps something like Florida might go into something like that because it's really, it rains a lot there. The issue is that it's hot again, so it's, it's a bit different. But like places where it rains a lot, I could definitely see that happening. But it just requires a way to find a tire that lets the car slide. But then again, it um, it doesn't wear out. You know, it's it's it, it's durable. It lets the car slide. You know, that balance is good. Um, I think then it might become more popular because it's much easier to maintain. But eight scale cars the track maintenance isn't that important. People can drive on rough tracks, whereas 10 scale is like the track has to be almost perfect. And if there's like heavy rain, the track has like all those water, uh, what you call those? Um, water puddles. Yeah. No, but like the, it, the, the water, when it's flowing down, it carves out, you know, a crack. Oh, a canal. Yeah, a canal. So like for 10 scale, it's quite obvious that you either race indoors or if you race outdoors you race on astro but for eight scale those things doesn't really matter you know you can have bumps and most people like it so the main issue is just does it rain too much or is there some big thing keeping you from doing it and i think that's why eight scale won't go away from dirt i want to add something to that uh I think what we're going to see in the eight scale world is more sealed tracks or more type of tracks like that. I mean, we've seen tracks that uh, the, the only reason I it's also, we have to look at the fact that American tracks change a lot. So American tracks are are built on doing track changes quite a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to put an artificial surface in there because you always got to build around that as well. Now it'd be great to see that, but you know, if you go down on a brick corner, you always it's always got to be a brick corner at some point, yeah. you know, yeah. or whatever it is. So it's it's very difficult when you do such such so many track changes. Uh, all right, Mike Kaz, what's up? He's got himself a Ignite uh, Design RC truck. Who do you think has been the biggest pioneer of the RC sport? Biggest pioneer. Wow, that's that's hard to say. I mean, there's lots of different aspects. Like some some could say like Oscar Janssen or like he you know made great electronics or whatever. Um, some could say you know like Masami for being like the guy who took the racing scene into a, you know more professional level, taking it 
taking it so seriously and putting lots of effort into it. Um, definitely, like Mike Reedy could be one. Um, You're thinking about all these people in the sport. I'm thinking of a part of, of a company that it's gonna. It's it's. It, you're, you're probably not gonna agree, but I'm gonna say it. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, yeah I think Gilosi could be one as well. All of those guys, I think, are pioneers. All of those yeah. are pioneers in the actual yeah. sport of racing. But I think one of the biggest pioneers for the sport of racing has been Traxxas. Uh so that, 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 that. I disagree. I disagree. Listen, they have brought more people into RC than probably a lot of other a lot of companies. But here's the thing. I think okay, you might say Traxxas slash they because pretty that, much that brought created it. completely completely new classes in RC. Two complete yeah. new classes in RC. Yeah, they did. But I think without Traxxas like 10 scale uh, off-road and eight scale off-road would do better, you know? No. I think so. Because they like people didn't really transition from I mean some did transition from you know slashes to you know buggies. Uh but mate, the slash is probably resp- look, so this is you gotta understand that the slash and probably like um the T Max are probably two of the cars that have got more people into RC racing than anything else. I, I guarantee you. I okay. You just I do for you. You can't slashes. see it because you're not in in America. I'm sorry, you're not in America, right? Okay. I mean, but slash, for sure here, for sure here, we had like slash series here too, and those were really good. But the the issue is like, um, I still like think that's like a minuscule part of like what tracks is, is like doing, you know, most of the stuff, at least at this point, when RTR business is kind of blowing up, most of it, this has nothing to do with racing. It's like, no, it has nothing to do with racing. races. Yeah. But then, then like the, okay. I, I, I pull back a little, I think the Schlasses has done a lot, you know, all those junior classes and that, I think it's done a lot, but I don't think, I don't think tracks as, as a whole, has made RC racing that much, you know, better because some people also have been pulled from racing to just bashing, you know. So it's not that it only works one way; it works both ways too. So I, I wouldn't. I do agree that the slash. You could say the slash was a pioneer. I I hundred percent agree with that. Who created okay. the slash? Traxxas. So, yeah, but it's it's like Traxxas as a whole is different. I wouldn't agree with that. So I will say this: Traxxas killed Truggy, <laughs> but um, I mean, killed Gas Truck because they invented, they yeah. pretty much invented Truggy with the X Max. I'm sorry, X Max, um, T Max. Yeah. But as I, I don't know, I was trying to think who would be a, a pioneer in that in in like in our sport, and I think we have to think about like Gil Losi, uh, the senior, is a pioneer. Yeah. Like how he yeah, he took no shit from somebody from people people like um. Uh, Ernie, the guy from Trinity, Ernie Provetti, he was a pioneer in his advertising and what he did with uh, Trinity as well. You know, so you got to yeah. add those type of guys. Those guys are the old school pioneers. I, I, I would think it's hard to lump that into one category. It's like it has to be. It's so many different categories because you can be like, what racer changed racing? Like, you know what this or who done yeah. that? 
And it, you know? yeah, and it really depends. Like if you're talking electric, if you're talking ten scale electric, then it has to be some American because that was like so big, you know. Like someone like I know who's yeah. the biggest pioneer in RC racing. Who? Lap conning fucking company. There we go. Because if we didn't have a lap conning company, we would have shitty racing. And you know what else? Spectrum, two point four gigahertz. Yeah, but that kind of the first ones that came out really sucked. Yeah, but they no. <laughs> could you imagine going back to crystals? Yeah, but the thing is, like a lot of people ran crystals until like Sandwich right, came out but with the two. When you had to go to a race and you had to have like three different channels, and then you had to have illegal yeah. crystals. You had your forty megahertz because they used to go to the states with them. You weren't supposed to have them, but I had them. So you didn't have to worry about being on somebody's on somebody's channel. So maybe we're looking at it. If it's lots of little things like two point four yeah. gigahertz changed RC. Yeah, they, and then lipo. You could say lipo batteries, but lipo battery like lots of things. Lots of things. Yeah, but then if you're looking at it from an eight scale perspective, you have to look at you know Japan. Like you know, can I to an extent? Um, I, I don't know names, but whoever was like behind the Mugen eight scale program, like the early Kyosho program, mm-hmm. like from an eight scale side, those two were the massive brands. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, Hobar was big at one point. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know when it was, but I think like the American brands came into eight scale, like mid late 2000s. Uh, like TLR early. came in like 2006, seven. Yeah. yeah. O'Donnell and Thunder Tiger was before. Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. Good stuff. I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. But we have a for few sure. You- yeah, for sure. I cannot name like a one pioneer. That's yeah, one person. Yeah, I can't name one person. Uh, some YouTube questions. If you guys want, join our YouTube membership. Case Edwards, would Worlds have a control tile? If so, would you expect a JC smoothie to be selected? So they do. So they do different companies for each class, right? So if four wheel drive has one company, two wheel drive has a different company. Know. Usually, no. Usually, they okay. are the same company. I mean, in America, it could work out because, like, it would be easy. There's many big companies in America, but previously, it's always been one company who's done it, um, at least as far as I remember. Um, hard to say what will be the tire and, like, what will they do with sourcing? Because never before has sourcing been allowed at the world's. So what will they do? Do they uh, just allow sourcing? Do they have a control uh, additive? How did they do it? Like, do they have a like a specific room uh, or it's a specific space for that? How do they store the tires? Like, if they don't have the smoothies, then do they have like a thread tire and everyone's going to be drumming them flat? Like, yeah, I, I really, really hope they pick a good tire and then you know, either allow sourcing or then have a control source. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be difficult. Hard to say which tire will be. I mean, most likely it's going to be the brand that offers it at the cheapest price or pays if more the most or whatever it is. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, like like in, in China, the tire was Sweep. No one has even heard of Sweep in Tensco, but they were still there. Uh, control tire. I believe he used to run for him. He has to run for, but it only in a scale. 
like oh, 10 okay. scale 10 scales different and then um in hoodie arena i believe it was um proline proline um what you call whole it? shots yeah whole shots but that's kind of the default like in europe if they hold a race it's always whole shots <laughs> it's, mm. it's kind of dumb but okay yeah, it is what it is all right next question real quick max don't go super science man tiny tom What's the best way to stop the car from bottoming out over small bumps and banked corners? Small bumps and banked corners. Um, definitely stiffer damping. So either just going to stiffer oils. Um, and if that makes the car like too stiff initially, then you have to go to, you know, more holes with bigger size so you can run. Again, a stiffer, stiffer oil, so you have more or less slow speed damping, kind of, and then more like the what you call it. And people say it's more packed, but it's not like that. <laughs> Effectively, just more, less holes and bigger holes, so you have um, kind of a dull feeling on the on the car. So that way, you can avoid bottoming out. Um, yeah, apart from that, I don't think there's much. Like, if it's high speed where you're bottoming out, then you might enjoy to increase your anti-squat. Um, if it's low speed, then it's pretty much just all you can do. Right height? Um, right height could be one, but generally, if you're running right height, that's all right. It shouldn't shouldn't be the issue. Okay. Keith Holbert, he wants to know, will there ever be a, a Mayako Chagi? Yes. I actually saw oh, one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there already is like, I think three right now. But yeah. it basically, right now, what's happening is the prototype stage where um, we have like basic components, but you know, sharing arms. Um, mm -hmm. It's a Frankenstein. And, yeah, but kind it's of got a Frankenstein the... stage yeah. still. It, it, it's effectively a Mayako with uh, borrowed arms and some uh, drive shafts and some parts mm -hmm. but i think hard to say when it will be released but there will be for the members an option to get you know mayako made parts and then some borrowed parts from other cars uh i, I think mid this year okay he also wants to know has jq stopped making parts for the black edition i think there's a, a ton of parts like and the factory, it's just, it's hard to find people that are carrying them nowadays. Yeah, there's a lot of, spot, lots of parts out there, but they're just very spread out. You know, some guy has this part, some guy has another. Uh, there still is some parts to it, but very little, very little. Like, um, I mean, I think A-Main might have some. Um, yeah, BTRC has some, but they're not going to, yeah. you know, like they're not, people aren't reordering parts because... You know, it just, it doesn't, it, you, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, all right. Kevin Mendez. What's up, my dude? He goes, he wants to know, this is a Mayako question. If you, I hope you might know this, sir, Max. What is the proper size bearings for the rear three-piece aluminum hubs in order to use the 94 millimeter universals? I heard that, that, that this will help me in tracks with super bumpy sections and bumpy turns. Thank you. He just wants to know the bearing size. Do you know offhand what it is, Max? Um... 
Is it the, it's encapsulated? I think the it's whole... I think it's sixteen times nineteen times four. I don't know. Like it's basically if you order from you know, you look at the Mayako side, just the bigger one of the wheel bearing. Um, use that on the inside and then the regular stock one on the outside. That's how you use it. Um I believe it's sixteen times nineteen times four, but I could be wrong. Okay. Something along those lines. All right, He'll, we'll figure it out for you, Kevin. And Dave Bradu, does Lefty have underwear that is older than Arrogant Max? I don't, but I probably have a T-shirt that is. No, I remember the size. It's fourteen times nineteen times. Okay. <laughs> I think so. You just completely blacked out on my last question. But I no, don't know. I it was. It was, uh, it was. What was it about? Do you have a dad? Yeah, I have two dads. <laughs> I have. I have probably like fucking hundreds of dads at this point. <laughs> um, like the real one, my actual dad, and then any other male character that's a gripe with me, you know, <laughs> old male character. So, uh, but he, I do have t shirts that are probably older than you. Yeah, I mean, I was born, you know, I haven't even lived in the last century. Like, we've, we've, been, we've been living in different centuries, you know. This is true. I was born in 78 and you was born in 2000. 2000. Jesus. Well, I even, all right. I even, I haven't even seen on 20th century, you know? <laughs> all right. We're going on to some Facebook question. Dallas Hoover. Do you think techno will ever make a two wheel drive buggy? I don't think so. No, not in the, not in the next five years. They, I, as far as it's looking like they're probably going to discontinue the four wheel drive as well. Maybe. Uh, I think they just it, came it up with a like, new short course truck, though. A light. Yeah, I think I think they're just not interested in them scale at all. I think so. I think so too. One second. Sorry, I had to cough off camera. Benjamin James, I've asked about up and coming youth jun- coming junior races a couple of times in this podcast. Is there a way to evaluate junior races? Under 15, under, he's using under 15 for sake. And team managers, especially for chassis manufacturers, be able to bring in talented junior racers who show potential to reach the level of races that Dakota fan, Ryan Mayfield, blah, Cavalry, et cetera, et cetera. Can I run that? Uh, I mean, it comes to, so Mike Fuller answered this, who has two young kids who are mm. currently pursuing the RC dream. And he says, I want to read what he said. He goes, Benjamin James, to be brutally honest. So I know what Benjamin James wants. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. He, Benjamin, Mike Fuller goes, Benjamin James, to, to be brutally honest with you, the best paths I've seen is to have your young drivers attend big national level races in one eighth or 10 scale. To catch the eye of the manufacturers, your young, young driver will have to have the ability to make the top five and intermediate and or slash open at the big five one eight scale events. In one tenth, they will have to be able to make the A mains and expert stock classes. I feel that gains made and competition will help them help them develop and be seen by the manufacturers more than any junior class. But that being said, I love the junior classes and feel they are much needed, but are not going to develop or get young racers noticed. But they do offer an outlet to keep the frustration leveled on and provide a fun class for them. Um, I think this. I think what Benjamin keeps coming, he keeps on about organization, right? Yeah. Can I rent now? 
he, uh, go ahead. You know what? Yeah. Keep it short. So, okay. This is not in any way directed to, I guess it was Benjamin who asked the question. This rant is just about the general topic of, you know, how we're going to do things in, in RC, but in any sport, any organize, organized thing whatsoever. You can't expect organization without creating any form of structure or control within your sport. You have to have some sort of governance, um, be it lateral or, you know, horizontal, uh, what you call it, lateral or like hierar hierarchical, you know? So it doesn't really matter, but there has to be some rules that which everyone agrees to be playing by. And as long as that doesn't happen, any form of organization cannot happen. There, It's just some, some play by some rules, some play by different rules. Maybe within areas there might be something that's going to plan out. But most of these companies are worldwide. And not, if, if not worldwide, at least like all around the Western world. So to have an organization that would cover all of this, um, even all of America at this point, is, it's just, it isn't even on the horizon. It's like no pun intended, but um, it's just not going to happen at the current state. So first we must in establish some form of agreement, maybe among manufacturers, but at least among race organizers and the federations, which the manufacturer would follow. Or, you know, it could work either way. But there has to be a wide agreement between parties who are responsible for either creating the products and sponsorships or the ones who organize events and sort of give the value of, you know, you finish this position, it's, this event is valued this high, you know. But there is, it's, it only it's controlled by, like, just randomness. You know, there isn't no control. Like, some might say, oh, like, um, so this driver won SIC two years ago. Well, two years ago, nobody big went there. You know, there was just like a kind of a local race. But a big one, <laughs> nonetheless, but a local one. And um, I think that is one of the big, like that is one good example of the big issue at hand. There isn't any long-term prestige of anything, especially in America, where you could build a structure where you could grade people in terms of stuff like this. So effectively, what Mike says is exactly right, uh, that the only way to make it is to go to one of these big races, do well enough where people notice you, and then look professional enough where they're like, oh, he's going to be a fast guy. And that happens for, like, for kids, that's the same. For guys looking out to be pro, that's the same. Like someone like Tyler Jones, he has to be on the top five of the big race, you know, to prove himself. But there's no way to like tell, oh, he's that good. He's going to be that good. There's no organization, no nothing. So it's just, you know, perception. Like, how do you see this guy? Do you see his worth for the company in terms of marketing, whatever? And some drivers like, you know, Drake's value is not at all in his results. It's his value is somewhere else. And that's, one thing that 
it, it just kind of is that there's value in all aspects. But to have this idea of how we're going to bring up uh, young up-and-comers with structure, that's that's not going to happen without having any form of you know control or um, at least a wide you know agreement between people inside the sport. So it's just a distant dream, to be honest. And people would have to have the attitude to work together to have any change in that matter. Yeah, nobody's going to do all of that. And yeah, exactly. So it's it's just like it's not going to happen. So make it so that what's happening now is tolerable. <laughs> we can't That's even. But yeah. I would. I, I first need to see a, a, defini- a definitive line between Pro and Joe first before we even. Yeah, get like even <laughs> even that isn't established. Like currently, there are classes that you just you can't end. You, you like there's no restrictions there's just like a line that says oh you can't be sponsored but how do you prove that you know like the Ghani bring his receipt and runs into an intermediate but obviously we all know he's not you know an intermediate driver he's he's an ex-pro driver like, yeah but he is so, of intermediate level at this point he he, well, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't win these but, race all these races that, he, that's true like he sh- should be driving probably intermediate but I think like and the reason why he's driving intermediate because someone banned that if you're running pro you can't run you know, 40 plus, which is his like number one class. So it like there's there's these rules that are not really enforced by any actual like it's just in, an inconvenience to people. It's there are a, no it's rules. A, there there are no rules. These are just you know their guidelines like this. No guidelines. <laughs> yeah, guidelines. The guidelines. I would agree with you there because there's nowhere to enforce them. And and and, and these race and a lot of these and you know what. A lot of these race directors, race promoters, they don't want to piss people off and don't have them come back again because it's not a lot of people to come around. It's a lot more that has to happen. And and before the, and, the, and these men, like in a perfect world, all of this would 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 happen, right? All of this would already yeah. would have happened, but it it just isn't perfect in RC. It's it's far from it, far from it. All right, Douglas Reek, he wants to know when is Max racing in the USA again? No idea, right, Max? Yeah, no clue. I hope okay. to make DNC probably next year. I don't know. I'm probably going to be quite... The issue is that in the summertime, there aren't any big youth races. And in the wintertime, I'm quite busy with school. So it's yeah. like, can't do anything about it. Okay. John Hewton, question for Max. Are setup stations that necessary in 8-scale nitrobuggy? And what is your process to measure adjust dial and toe settings on the front wheels without one? Is eyeballing acceptable? Eyeballing is acceptable if you know what you're doing, <laughs> but um, for most people, that like unfortunately, that isn't the case for most people. Um, what I usually do is I measure the length of the links, and then you know I use um, uh, just a normal camber camber gauge to check the. Um, yeah, don't you put it up against a wall camera. and just measure it? Like measure, I, I someone used to put it up against a flat surface, and then you just use your camber gauge to measure off of that. Yeah, well, for the front, actually, in the Mayako buggy, there's a feature where you can easily center the steering with just putting in one screw. So you just like put in the screw, and you can measure um, camber at at the centered, you know, point. So that's a nice feature to have. 
for those that don't have it, I suggest just putting on your, you know, transmitter and like having your wheel centered and then measure it. Do you um, think that setup stations are necessary though? I see, I see JQ using more and more setup station. Yeah. So here's the thing about it. You don't need a setup station, but I think for most people, it would be preferable to have one, but you don't need one. You know, you're not going to, it's not going to make or break your RC, RC life. You know, Mm -hmm. you take it as a hobby or try to make it a career. That's not going to make or break it, but your life will be easier with a setup station. Um, it's less down to like you actually knowing what you're doing. Just like you just look at the you know line, and if it's there, it's fine. But I think you, it's not needed. There was like a really really long discussion about this on the Discord. Let's not get into like a, a long long discussion yeah, about this at all. Yeah, Joseph is like a diehard. Everyone should buy a setup station guy, and I do. Which I'd is say, funny. Because he has yeah. a bunch of videos showing you how to do things like check ride height and do all that stuff and do all that in 60 seconds. And he still does, yeah. the, he still does the ruler thing to check his ride height too, by the way. Um, the Droop is actually the best to do that with the uh, with, um, ruler. Droop, sorry. But yeah, but um, it, it's like if I say, yeah, you don't need a setup station. Some people are going to be like, oh, but you said here two years ago on the Discord like this. My point has always been the same. You don't need it. It's not 100% something you absolutely need. But if you think that setting up camber consistently is is a chore, then definitely get it. Um, But you can make without it. The way I do it is just I measure the link length. um, Then I make sure it's accurate uh, with the camber, like regular camber gauge. and uh, I, I center the steering in my aqua. I do with just a screw. If I don't have a car that has that um, possibility, I just turn my transmitter on and uh, measure that way. And then, yeah, it's just I check it from like three to four points on the tire because the tires are always bent. You know, the wheels are bent always. So I check it from three to four points, and then I recheck it. I check everything twice. And so I get an average and I kind of have an idea of where it is at. Um, but yeah, most people don't do it that precisely. So if you don't want to, don't want to focus on measuring your camber, you just want to do it, then get a self station. Okay. Um, Kaltura, who has a son, cool. He just wanted to add something. Sponsorship can does happen at an early age these days. It would be interesting if there were a way or means to evaluate it, but he says even the top 25 list gets it gets criticism. And he goes on to say that, uh, Mike, similar to the Mike Fuller comment, it's about the ability to compete with the big boys. Uh, I think he was answering uh, one of the other comments. Chasing Erla, but I thought that was a good point. Uh, Chasing Erla, yeah, dude, how do you burn garlic bread in an air fryer? You leave it in there and forget. Uh, Brad Maynard wants to know if we can banana you the entire time. Max, and he asked us about the new one-eighth turf tires. We just talked about yeah. that in the high-tech news. Uh, Chris Powell, oh, these these are the questions I really dislike. This is the sponsor and sportsman stuff, but I have to read it. Let's see. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. I like What's, all of the questions. I noticed. Yes, what is the best well. way 
to separate people by skill level. If sponsors are sponsoring sportsmen, intermediate and if sponsors are sponsoring sportsmen, intermediate and sportsmen no longer need to be separated. As an intermediate myself, I could go pro and be at least be last or be an intermediate and earn my place. Most large races, race time, race time inter- inter- entertainment size have only three main swath of people in in pro. So what keeps people from being last in the C main and pro or being mid-pack in C main and intermediate? A class that oftentimes has an F or G main, which looks better on the race support. C main pro? What? <laughs> so we've had this question with what looks better on the race support? C main pro without context looks decent, but it's still last or C or C and D main earned in the intermediate class. I'm, I'm confused with that. I thought the question okay. would be what's better C main pro or a main intermediate. Okay. The way he framed the question in the beginning was how do we separate skill levels? And I have the best way to describe it so that all Americans can sort of visualize what I'm saying. You have these mains, you split people, you do qualifying, and then you split people into mains. The highest qualified people are placed into the A main, and then you go down there, the next 15 to the B main, and then the C main, and then the D main, you know? And then at some point, you have, like, you have the mains up to, like, what, J main? So from, like, D main to H main... Probably, yeah, D main to like E main, okay? Mm-hmm. F main, whatever, you know? You can choose it. You can you can use the imagination at this point. You call those drivers intermediate, okay? Then the drivers that are on the last third of the list, you call those guys the sportsmen. They just came there to have fun. And you know, those guys in the A main, those are the pros. But you know what you do? You just call them that. And that's it. You have guys from A to J main, and you call them at wherever they place. If they're at the midpoint, they're intermediate, you know, like intermediate. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's in the between, you know, pro, absolute best, top echelon of the drivers. And then the sportsmen, the guys who are just there to have fun. And see, this is how you split what 150 people in to skill levels, and they can race with the drivers that they are similarly skilled with. You don't have to choose which class you enter at the beginning of the race, but you will end up at the class that you belong to after the qualifiers. And how this is done? There is just one class. You enter eight-scale nitro buggy. And then after the race is done, you see if you ended up being intermediate or if you ended up being sportsman. Yeah, but you know what? It, it it comes back to what I said last week. Yeah, I know. People comes want back to that. their piece of plastic to bring home. And they, want that, and they want that. They want that Facebook post. It's, the rant is actually concerning this because it's about Mark Santamaria's last yeah. latest video. No, People ain't going to like can... that, Max. People yeah. ain't going to like that because they want they want their 30 minute aim. They want their 30 minute aim in. They want their. So it, it, okay. Look, okay, hear me, it's hear not going to happen. I don't know how you separate people from that, or maybe you have a qualifying round where everybody just goes, and then you then that's like a seed, like it counts. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I I get what you're saying. Well, well just what if, it, like we're, what if okay, everyone had a twenty minute bump up, man? 
But if everyone had a decent amount of runtime for the mains, no matter if you are the fastest guy at sportsman or the slowest guy as intermediate, what if you all had the equal time of runtime on the track? And then you know what you can do? You can give each bump up, you know, maybe one bump up, two bumps up, whatever it is. You give all of them a piece of plastic they can bring home and show to their wife that doesn't give a shit about it. You know what? We had one class. There were there were not, none of the sandbagging that one. That's for sure. Yeah, like imagine this. You have one class, you solve so many issues. No more sandbagging. No more wondering should this guy be here or here because he has this sponsor. No more wondering like, hey, am I actually intimidated? Should I go to pro? You're already there. You just need to bump up one more, mate. You know? <laughs> Doing things more simply would solve all of your issues. And you know what? The amount of entries would probably not even change. You know, people would still show up. You just tell them that you'll get that piece of plastic when you bump up, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how to – they're not going to do that. So I don't know how this is ever yeah. going to be solved. Uh, but, uh, he, he does go let's, – let's answer this question real quick. Which looks better on a race report? C main or pro? Or C D main earned in intermediate class? Well, okay, here's the thing. I think he's got that confused because I feel that the A main of intermediate are see this is so this is what happens. This this is a common mistake. Just like hot laps make people feel great. You know, oh, I came 12, but I had hot lap, fastest hot lap. Yeah, but you came 12. Mm -hmm. The I was this fast in the intermediate main. My times would have been equal to being in the A main of the of the of the nitro buggy. It's not the same. Yeah, and also it's not the same. Yeah, even if he framed the question in a way where is it better to be C main in pro or A main in intermediate? If I was a team manager, I wouldn't give a shit if you were an A main intermediate. But if you were driving pro and you didn't finish last. I'd value that more than winning intermediate, to be honest. I will say this, that winning the A-man and intermediate at one of these bigger races right now is more valuable than being in the C-man. I'm, oh, I'm being honest is. with you. It is. Like, me, like if, you look at, if you look at the field, yes, that is the fact. But just the fact that you run pro, I, I'd value that more than you running intermediate, to be honest. I don't know, man. It's almost like we need a, I hate to say it, a semi-pro class. In between intermediate and that, I don't know. I don't. We're not. So I'm not. We're class? not going to beat this. One. Yes, and we're not going to beat this horse anymore. This but horse what is if, dead. What, hey, what if buried. Not, what if you're not intermediate, but you're not semi-pro? You know. You know what? what do you do everybody then? just then has a class. class. We're going to have a class for everybody. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Let's do it like a class for Joe's. You know, everyone named Joe has class. You know. There we go. Everyone named Anthony. Tony's count too. They have a class. Everyone named Michael. Michael class is going to be the biggest one. You know, there's going to be probably A and B Michael class. You know, I, all I know is right. All I know is, and I've said this over and over again, in this day and age, sponsorship does not equate to skill level. It's not a way to, in my opinion, it's, it's to, like all these, like I know uh, DNC has that. You can only be, you can't be sponsored in sportsman or you can only have, you can't have a, I think you can't have a full ride in intermediate. And some people adhere to those rules, but a lot of people, it's just, 
it's so to the point now where sponsorship, they, they, okay, sponsorship's not where it used to be, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't equate. So people are just, you know, it 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 doesn't equate to your skill level. You have to, you kind of have to, I don't know, do what Max, I, you, you know what? We're not talking about this anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm the thing the thing why I'm just putting this like blowing the shit out of proportion is because we've talked about this so many times. The yes, solution is so simple and yet like yet like it's not like I don't know how this isn't just obvious to people because you could give those trophies to every bumper, you know? So then bumping up would be valuable. You'd give everyone a 20 minute main um so everyone would have similar runtime and if you ended up making to the a you get that 45 minute main and like, remember in the one class you used to get a first second or third trophy for each main so let's yeah. say they had three bump ups right yeah if you didn't want to bump up you took your trophy and went home yeah <laughs> yeah you know or you know you, you was like oh i want to bump up and keep on bumping but the persons that came so say it was two that bumped up the people that finished third and fourth and finished first and second in that main, yeah. and they still got a trophy. But That's it's not; but it's I, just I, not. I, right. I think, it's 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 too far gone from that, Max. It's too far yeah. gone. But I think you could just have like because in the end they're gonna give away a lot of trophies anyway. You could just have like winner of you know D main, like first bumper of D main trophy. You know, like you could give trophies like that to people. You know what? We're we're, we're not we're not talking about this no more. We're not. Yeah, I'm just trying to solve the <laughs> issue that should be solved. solved We're not talking itself. about this. Okay. Banana. We're gonna stop it. <laughs> Banana. That's our um, a safe word. That's right. Banana. This. Victor Vasquez, Professor Max. <laughs> Professor Max Mort. My new nickname. I think we're just gonna call you Professor Max. Uh, yeah. Can you cover? You're gonna have to be quick with this one. Don't go okay, all science, okay, because you okay. called you professor. <laughs> Clutch tuning. He wants you to explain it in oh, yeah. 50 words or less. Uh, 50 words. Holy shit. 75 okay. words or less. Loose versus higher bite. Do you change both springs or all four or use aluminum and plastic? Okay, 100%. Uh, oh, shit. I used words already. So 100%. Uh, if it's high grip, don't use plastic. It's just it's not going to work out. Um I don't know. I mean, some brands might have some carbon, way. carbon, carbon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whichever you call them, but composite material. Um, 100% if you try to just go all aluminum. Um, generally, for higher grip, you go with your stiffer springs. Um, it's hard to say, but if you're running a three shoe clutch, generally what I do is I run two stiffer ones and one softer one. Um, I think he's on a four-shoe clutch from his question. Yeah. Okay. But either way, if you run a four-shoe, you run two softer and then one. Uh, two softer, two harder. Um, and you kind of go by increments. So on low grip, if it's really, really low grip and you have an option to go to a composite shoe, definitely like go two composite, two aluminum if you're four-shoe clutch. And then remember to always run softer, uh, spring on the composite because of the fact that they are lighter so they will you know tend to not have as much um, much you know force pulling them out then kind of what I usually do is I find uh, a suitable clutch for a condition 
And then, you know, when I go to higher grip, I just go up by increments. You know, if I'm running right now, I'm running two 1.1s and then one 1.0. If I go to a higher grip track, um, especially if it's like really aggressive accelerations, I just go to all 1.1s. Um, and if it's like, you know, a track that you, you just need a really, really stiff clutch, like it's so high grip, then I would go just like one spring at a time to a stiffer one. Generally, I'd say it's better to have one softer and two stiffer always, or then three all the same. Uh, in four-stroke clutch, like always two and two. Two and two. And this is because, you know, you kind of don't want one grabbing. Um, For the other. Yeah, like you, you want to have sort of the one sort of grabbing before, and then you have the whole engagement. Uh, and then like, because if you have two shoes engaging, and then one is lagging behind, that doesn't really give you any difference, you know? So you want one shoe engaging first, and then two uh, after that. So you have that smooth engagement. Um, but yeah, basically what you do is low grip, you can take um, advantage of the composite. Personally, I do like mostly just running aluminium shoes. Uh, and then if it's low grip, I would just go to a thinner, thinner spring. Um, but composite is, is a valid option when it's super, super low grip, especially then. All right. Thank you, Victor. Mark Heading, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, he, sh- he says, thoughts on the new wheel speed RF3 conversion for the TLR five gear transmission. Ooh, I, I must admit, man, this these aluminum stuff that uh, chassis and stuff that and whatever that wheel speed those guys do some really great aluminum work man oh yeah that those are so cool it's um and it's crazy because those are actually lighter than you know a stock really? chassis would be yeah because it's it's stiffer and lighter because of the way they've done it so mm. um that that is definitely interesting and then i don't know about the five gear i just think that's that, I mean, the simpler okay, the better. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm a peon. Explain that. Explain the reason for that. Is that to extend it to, uh, the transmission more to the mid? Yes. Is, what, so, what? so basically, there's two things at play. So if you're running, you effectively have to run at least three gears. Like you, it's kind of almost impossible to do a two gear one, just because mm-hmm. of you know you need a little bit of distance. So the minimum you can run is a three gear. And when you're running a three gear, that means that um, the diff and uh, the motor is spinning at a reverse direction. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes, yes, exactly. So the motor is, you know, oh, wait. What the fuck am I talking about? I so the diff is, diff is diff is like obviously spinning at the di- direction of the tires, mm-hmm. but then the engine is spinning at the opposite direction. Okay. Then if you have um, a four gear transmission where you have two idler gears um, and one, you know, um, Spur, what you call that one? Top Spurger. shaft. You have a sp- top, shaft, top shaft. You have a top shaft, and then you have two idlers. You have a four gear transmission. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, they are spinning in the opposite direction. So the engine effectively tries to raise the car up. When you 
press the throttle, the engine rotates backwards. So it raises the car front, right. front which basically means that it pushes the rear down because the car is not going to lift up from the ground. Um, so basically, if you have um, an even number of gears, you're going to have the car give more grip on power. But then again, generally, as we always run three gears now, it's it usually makes it so that there's um, less corner speed. The car is like more, you know, jumpy on power. So it's not optimal for speed. That's why you run an odd number of gears. So when you press the throttle, the engine actually turns the car down, you know, the front mm. and down. So the car stays more flat. Okay. The reason why instead of going to a three to five gear uh, is because that way you can reach or put the engine more forward. So it's basically what you just mm. said. Like just getting, yeah, you have the engine move more forward, weight balance towards the front. But yeah, okay. pretty much, oh. pretty much in current tool drive designs, all of it is uh, odd number of gears, uh, like internal gears. Awesome. Okay, Joe Jenkins, what's up, Joe? Pitted next to him. Uh, no, sorry, another Joe. I always get these guys, him and another uh, Joe, confused. Not sure if this has been asked already, but will will the Mayako team be attending the 10 scale worlds? I spent a good bit of time yesterday watching the past 10 scale worlds and noticed Tiba and Ronafalk are both quite handy with the smaller rigs. Uh I, I know Ronafalk's going. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think he'll run whatever he wants, but I think he's leaning more to TLR. And mm-hmm. I, I was listening to uh Tiba on his live yesterday and he says he wouldn't mind doing the worlds, but uh, I don't think he has any plans of getting back into the 10 scale. He might do the worlds. I don't know. You'll see. So we shall see. But I'm pretty, pretty sure that Ronald Falk is going to do it. My good friend, Jamie Docking, he goes, does Max, uh oh, I mean, the professor, think that, <laughs> think that the reds bearing in the black plate, the reds extra bearing in the black back plate will affect primary compression at all? Remember, I think it's talking about that that red's backplate. Yeah. So he would it affect compression? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't see that happening there. I I don't think it would affect. I mean, perhaps, but very very slightly. It's it shouldn't be a significant force there. I think it's more about the backplate. Is more about you know just um preventing the rod from scraping up against the back of the back plate well well, that's one definitely the scraping the back plate but also the um, you're gonna have some you know um you know fluid friction because there's gonna be oil there so Mm. when the oil moves past it there's gonna be the flow is gonna slow the rpms down at least to some extent so if the back plate is spinning with uh the with the Conrad, uh, what what's it called? Yeah, Conrad. Spinning at the same same time, then you lose that, you know, or gain. Uh, to be honest, that a loss of uh, fluid friction or whatever you want to call it. There, so, yes, spacing out. Yeah, I'm it's really too, too, really too, too too much things to think. Too much spinning things in my head. But yeah, basically, I can see the gears turning. Yeah, basically, the job of the backplate is to reduce the amount of um, 
fluid, you know, friction that is happening between the conrad moving around and then, you know, or the crankshaft spinning at the conrad end, like being close to the backplate, yes, fluid behind, below it and the flow will slow it down because of fluid dynamics reasons. <laughs> and then the backplate, when it's spinning with it, it's reducing the drag and with that uh, increase in RPM. But the reason why I don't think it's affecting compression is because um, the forces there are much more significant. Like um, when you're spinning at high RPM, the drag becomes to be quite large. So there might be a significant uh, difference in there. But when you compare the force of the drag to the amount of force that's coming from the piston on, on compression, I don't believe it's significant to, you know, make more power out of it. But I think it would reach more RPM. Okay. I'm sorry. I checked out a long time ago on that answer. Yeah, that's, it's hard to explain without any visuals or anything. It's like, right. I, I don't, I haven't like tried it or anything. So I don't really know fully right. to say. But I don't think, oh. I don't think the forces are comparable where it would make any effect on the max torque, you know, of the engine. Sweet, sweet. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the questions. We greatly appreciate them. I, did, I didn't expect to get so many questions because I only put this up yesterday, I think, or yeah. the day before. So thank you to everybody for those questions. Uh, thank you to BTRC for their continued support. Remember, everybody, we have an affiliate link for them in the written description of this podcast. Uh, we're now going to go on to our one hour and a half debrief of the EOS Dawn race. Then I'm going to come back for a little rant I have with Max. It's going to be a quick rant. Not going to be long. And then uh, that's going to be it for our podcast this week. So let's go uh, Let's go find our, our, our new friend, the briefcase. What do you think, Max? Thank you to Techno RC. Yeah. yeah thank you yeah. to them for their continued support. Yeah. It's kind of Techno RC. Oh. <laughs> I, was thought, I didn't know you were starting the to say. I, I, it, it's kind of ironic that we talked about techno discontinuing their 10 scale line and then we're like, thanks to techno for sponsoring this 10 scale only podcast. Well, they, they want to, they want to win that, they want to win that eight scale title. That's what they want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now we can go to techno ad break. Okay. Now we can go to the, the commercial. Okay. Thank you. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer. Specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC. Excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. So, joining me this week is... uh, I want to call you a young man, but yeah, grown adult now. You're 25 years old, so you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 an adult. But when I knew you, you was a young man. You was like 17 <clears throat> and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, joining us this week is uh, a person that I met when I was over in the UK working on the uh, Crossrail, and I met. I got back into RC. And I don't even remember how I met this guy. But I ended up traveling with him to a few times. We went to Maritime. 
We went to Silverstone a few Tuesday nights. We was with Anthony, who was driving us around. But I like to welcome. <clears throat> he's been on our good friend, the Extra Lap Podcast. He's been on there a few times, I believe. You've been on there, yes. Uh, but uh, I like yeah, to I go yeah. ahead, Will. Go ahead, talk. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bit of a running joke that I've been on basically every single UK podcast now. So. But that's kind of why I got a little bit of this small fame or whatever you want to call it. You but do. Anyway, obviously, thanks for having me on. You are famous. <laughs> you are known as Will Venab- Venables or Venables, or as you are known throughout the UK as Briefcase. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the urban legend. You know, that's, that's the word around the street. Yeah. So welcome, Will. Uh, we have you on because you actually went. We're, we're going to talk about the EOS Dawn race. That was really, really. Uh, Really good. I watched a lot of it. I watched it. I followed it on the EOS Facebook, YouTube, and of course with Raceway One, done some great coverage of it as well. But uh, it was a big race, a lot of hype around it. Brock Champlin went, so that was good to see. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about you, Will. So people know real quick, so people know who you are, what you do. Like I said, I met you. You're 17. I think you're still in university, or might have been in high school. No, you're in uni. 16 no it was college now it was college so like uh here in the uk like uh you kind of have like three options of where you sort of can, can go after like we call it secondary school but it's your guys equivalent of middle school so there's like college which is like uh before uni or there's like uh you kind of continue doing high school or you get a job so yeah i went to college and that's kind of how i met you to be honest yeah i don't well i'm we, anyway so anyway will and i kind of met each other i i got back into racing in the UK, I bought myself a B5M. I was renting a room up on Good Street. I was, you know, I, and then we had, we knew this guy, Anthony, who I haven't spoke to in years. I didn't, I need to look him up again. So I met him and he, he like kind of volunteered to pick me up and take me around. And, and then Will kind of got in on that. And we ended up going to like, uh, Silverstone. And that was like when I got back into RC, but through 10 scale and I got to learn about the U, the UK. I never even knew that existed. Like, making semi-permanent tracks all that stuff so uh you you've been racing for quite a while we've known each other for a long time and you've continued to race through all that time you haven't really touched any nitro stuff because but that's understandable you did attempt to for some time but i understand that in the uk 10 scale is king so you know i will forgive you for that (laughs) hey I'll, i'll i'll make a comeback one day but you've traveled a lot Sorry. in these years. You've been to European Championships for 10 scale. You've been to EOSs. Uh, have you been to a Worlds yet? Yeah, I went to a Hoodie Arena in okay. 2019. So that was an amazing experience there. So you are a full-on RC geek, just so everybody knows this. Like, he is a nerd just like us. He geeks out on this stuff. He just went to EOS. So I said, thought it would be good to have you come on her because this race was huge. It was a lot of entries. Uh, it's the last race of the 2022-23 season. So it's like round three, I think, of EOS? Four. Four. Yeah. Three? I was it round four? I don't know. It says three, it on my RCM, it's four. Okay. It might have been actually three. Yeah, I think it was three because they had one in a, uh, I can't pronounce it, like Gothenburg and then a Worksop. And then this was uh, the third one in Dawn. Did you do the one in Worksop? Okay. Yeah, I did. I did actually. I only did two wheel drive, but I was there at workshop. How is that? I mean, we're going off on a tangent, but that is a very unique surface. Max and I were just talking about this last week because he has, he thinks he has a similar surface in Finland. 
Yeah, we race on like uh, slippery concrete, like smoother concrete. So it's like slippery, but we use like additives on it, uh, like some substance to make it a bit more grippy. But what I heard from Jona and Pekka was it, it, it was different, but it was similar. I don't know how it works. Workshop is. Yeah, so basically workshops kind of like this rubber cork flooring is the best way to describe it. And uh, we don't use any sauce or additive or anything over there. We, we, I've only been there actually for the workshop, but I know I have the guys like Jamie Hall and so on. Those guys, uh, they go through the whole winter series and everything. But like it's really temperature dependent on like the heating of the building and everything. But like, when it was there for the EOS, because there's way more people and uh, they turned the heating on a bit more, I think, than normal. Like, the grip was actually pretty good. And uh, I would say it's relatively similar to dirt, but it's just a bit... The the grip's a bit more consistent, but obviously, as soon as you're offline, I'm sure, like, with the concrete stuff you guys race on, this, you know, sort of game over. But it's a really fun surface. Like, I think it's something completely different from just carpet. I feel like carpet these days is just... Like, it's just how fast... Or how hard can you push yourself for five minutes instead of like, you know, just trying to drive a really smooth, clean five minutes and you can actually kind of enjoy it instead of just trying to be like, uh, like for five minutes. So, but yeah. I really like to work up. It's something yeah. different. So, Will, also you live now in London. When I met you, you live closer to Hearts, I believe, just outside of London. Where do you race? Do you have a local race area now or what do you call your home track now? Yeah, so like, I have an indoor uh, race called DMS. You actually might remember it. So they're based in Watford, which is actually literally a 15 minute drive. And they just put up a track in a, like a gymnasium every week. And uh, I mean, they've been running for years. Uh, the guys down there, Darren Boyle and uh, Rich Miller and those guys put on a pretty good show. So like, it's definitely good to give them a shout out. I mean, Hearts is probably still, I would say my home, my permanent track. Like I still go there once the outdoor season comes on, that's all where, I like to do all my racing mm-hmm. and uh, probably stop falls. That's like stop falls a bigger was a national track. So it's good. It's a good place to get some good practice. It's really unique because it's really bumpy and super high grip. So it, it does take quite a lot to get used to if you haven't raced on anything like it, but it's a good, good challenging track. So do you do the nationals at all? Do you do whole national circuit or, or anything like that still? Are you that deep? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still do the whole thing, regionals, nationals, and so on. Uh, just with how life is going at the moment, I'm kind of just doing two-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do four-wheel drive for the odd event, but I'm still doing all the big stuff. So, like, you still got to be in it, really. Yeah, you. so you you haven't even stopped. You From when I from when I met you, you haven't stopped. I haven't either, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, I stopped racing, but I haven't been in. I've been into RC ever since. So that's good to see. Most guys, when they get 18, 21, your age, they, they give up on this. You know, they meet, you meet girls and stuff like that or whatever you're into. And <laughs> you got to find the, ba- you got to find the balance. I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like I went to uni. I still enjoyed the whole uni experience of getting, you know, getting drunk, meet, getting with girls and everything. Did you race like, during uni? I mean, yeah, I did. I, I, I probably not the best thing to say on here, but there would be a few nights where like I'd go out and then like, come back at whatever time o'clock and then go straight to a race. But you like should be doing stuff. Like if that. I wasn't too drunk. You should yeah, be doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, like, and yeah, like, I do, you know, 
like oh, I was like eight, you know, 18, 19, like you think you're invincible and everything. And like, so you could, I could kind of afford to do that. And the good, the strange thing was like, I don't know why with me, but whenever I was really tired or had like two hours sleep, I would generally race better. I don't know if it's like <laughs> the nerves just don't come in as much or you're like, I just want to be in sleep. So I like, think Max uh, is in yeah. that, that party stage right now. He might be coming out of it a little bit. No, I mean, I don't know what's happened to me. I haven't been at a student event in like, what, four you, months now? You got a girlfriend. That's what happened. So now you're all tied on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that has definitely, that has definitely um, made it a li- little bit less, you know, active on the student party front. But I don't know. I've been kind of doing more RC now, though. So That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted people to get a little information about you, Will. Uh, you know, you are an RC fanatic. You do race. You do follow the European scene very well. I don't know how you, if you follow the American scene too much, but we're not here to talk about the Americans. We're here to talk about the Europeans. Uh, it was EOS Dawn. Was this your first time at Dawn? No, it was my third time, okay. actually. So so you go to this race quite often. You you know your way around. I assume you have your 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 plan. When did you fly out? You flew out like Thursday, right? No, longer than that. Yeah. You, no, no, I flew out. No, I flew out Thursday. I had a, a mid-afternoon flight about like two o'clock-ish. And then I actually uh, joined in with the Raceway One guys. So okay. they picked me up and everything. And it was good chilling with them because uh, obviously they do all the media stuff now. So mm-hmm. it was lots of them. I was helping out where I could as well because I my background is a bit of social media and websites. So yeah, well, Will's a really nice guy. And like, you know, he's doing, he's killing it. With he's done a good job. I enjoy his coverage. Yeah, like... Yeah, he's killing it. I can't like fault him. So, yeah. and he's working hard. Like, I didn't see him at any point where he had five minutes just to relax. But no, he's doing a good he's job. Doing good. I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the coverage of this period. I did watch the YouTube stream. I thought there weren't no moving cams, but there was uh, for the main. So I, mm. I I did not see that. But I just went back and watched. I really enjoy his commentating while the race is going on. You know, he tells you he can. He knows who's going. In five minutes, it's easy to. It's hard to do that over an hour without timing. But um, <laughs> I enjoy it, and I enjoy his. Con- he's from. He's he's not English, right? Uh, Irish. I think right. both of those got. Uh, there's Will and Derek. I think most people will know Will, but they're both from Dublin area. So, okay. so he sounds like a cricket announcer. That's why I like him. He sounds like a cricket announcer. That's why I like him. Uh, and he does a good job of what he does. And I watched a lot of his uh, work over the weekend. So prior to this week, they had ETS, which is the touring car segment of this. So did they rip up the whole track and then put on a new track? Because I know that Powell and the guys from the, um, the Polish contingent that put on that big Polish, I think it's called the All-Stars race. He's also the guy that does. Yeah, the, that's the one. Yeah, he does the uh, 3D rendering or drawings of the tracks. I know he got to design this track. Him and his guys went up there. I was following his Instagram. What's up, Powell? I met him at uh, the Worlds. He's got a lot of energy. Lots of energy. Um, so do they rip all that up from the ETS, put fresh carpet on, and then build this track? Or how does that work? Yeah, so ETS and EOS carpet are completely different surfaces. So the ETS stuff is kind of like your box standard. As the UK guys will know, it's primer felt. It's a lot thinner carpet. It's not really any give to it. But what I understand is they did the whole ETS, packed it up, and I think they had the whole three. I might be wrong, but they had the whole three for like two, three days, 
and then they came straight back in and did the EOS, which EOS is like a slightly different carpet. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It'd probably be like, so slightly, it's slightly thicker carpet. It's got more like loose fibers on it, but it's used like kind of like for event yeah. trade shows. It's how yeah, it has, best to describe it has like it. these loops, like normal carpet is just like fibers, but uh, the US carpet is has like these loops. Uh, so it's like really small loops. That's why it's like um, very high grip. And yeah, I guess like something like um, like rubber mat in an office, something like that. Uh, not rubber, like the, what you call it, carpet flooring in an office. You know, you had had that like little give in a carpet, but it has those little loops. Mm-hmm. That's I, yeah. It has like this has like this give, which I kind of I think it's really nice to have on the EOS carpet because that a little bit easy to feel dry when it's new, but the problem is it kind of wears out quite quickly. Was this yeah, all new carpet the then UK for this? Tra- yeah, from what I heard, they did one race just to make sure it was fine, but then it was brand new. So like the benefits with the EOS stuff and it's brand new tire wear is is amazing. You don't have to worry about it too much. Now, do you guys yeah. have a uh, a spec tire for this event? Yeah, yeah, so it's the Schum- it's the Schumacher tires. So mm-hmm. it's Schumacher cuts uh, cactus in the rears, uh, cuts daggers up front, and then for four wheel drive, it's a cactus fusion two, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you have a limited amount that you can buy, way. or how does that work? Yeah, I think yeah, what so, they uh, used to do yeah, yeah. is like three sets and then one for the A main guys extra, something like that. Yeah, so it's actually a so for so you can have two for if you're in like anywhere other than the A mains, you get two sets for what well, you can buy two sets for qualifying and finals. But if you make the A main, you can get another set. So normally what most guys do is use two new sets in qualifying and then just reuse them for finals. And if you're A main, obviously you're just putting a new set of tires on. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, what did you think of the track? Uh, I know it's a unique, the way that Dawn is, it's, it's, it's a rectangle, but then it has that, that, all this rectangle that goes out to the middle of it. Um, (laughs) I guess that's the best way to explain it for people that haven't seen it. I'll post a link to the coverage in the written description of this podcast. I'll put it up actually, so we can have a look at it. Um, But it's a very unique, uh, very unique layout, very unique shaped track. It's also, it probably limits it because you have to add in that, that square. Uh, I saw it was very like not at the very right side coming off the straight. It was very, I would say very touring car ish with this, that long sweeper. And then it let, that reminded me of touring car and you had some doubles, not as jumpy as say when I went to this race, which is the Florida carpet championships, more American style, a lot more jumps, uh, still high speed as well. So what did you think of the track? Do they, I mean, obviously they change it around. They just, did they actually change the footprint from last year or how does that work? Yeah. So like, uh, I think probably to start it off, I was like, I feel like the tracks in the last few years, they've kind of dropped down a little bit. Like they used to be bigger jumps and they made it a little bit smaller. But it seemed like with this, uh, the Race Star Poland guys, like it kind of brought back those great EOS tracks. Now, when I saw the drawings, I don't, that was the first thing I saw the right hand side. I thought it was, I don't want to say it bad, but it just felt a little bit too flat. And I thought like you could put like a wall of death or something. But once we got there, like, everything felt felt mm-hmm. a little bit smaller than I remembered. So I was kind of, okay, actually, I can see why he did that. But the track, it was good. Like, uh, it was nice to have some, I mean, for us, it was good jumps. I know compared to you guys, you'd probably want bigger jumps. And so would I, to be fair. I think we need bigger jumps in Europe. But uh, 
it was it was actually quite a jumpy track, and you really had to time a lot of the down ramps, especially the jump in the far, the far in front of you. The landing was a bit too small, so like you really had to sort of make sure you landed it perfectly, otherwise you'd end up clipping the top of the jump or your flat chassis, and then just roll or you'll go too far forwards. So that was like the biggest thing I noticed with uh, the track, but it was cool. It was you had to drive it clean. That was I think that was the main thing, and because it was only because of how the timetable worked, there was only three rounds of qualifying for everyone. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, it was all like you had to get, you know, those two clean runs in. That was sort of the key to it. It was huge. That was, That's the other so, thing. It was a lot of entries. I mean, Justin, I'm looking at the entry list for two-wheel drive, and I'm assuming everybody that ran two-wheel drive, ran four-wheel drive, was 138 people. And this is mod people. Mm-hmm. This is for our American friends. This is all mod. It's it, There is a stock class there. But there, this is the mod is the more popular class there in the, in in Europe. This was a big event, dude. Yeah, biggest in EIS history. Really, biggest entry count. Yes. So they have to do. So they don't. So also they do it a little different. They do one. They do qualify. So they did the. You started Friday, right? Or it was Thursday? Yeah. So Friday. run us through. Know, run us through what happens on. Run us through the schedule because it's like two wheel drive and truck. And all of that on on the on the Friday and then Saturday, they switch over to four wheel drive. Yeah, so basically Friday is mainly two wheel drive mod, mm-hmm. uh, thirteen five two wheel drive, and then actually thirteen five stadium truck. So that's all done on Friday. So you, there's one free practice, which is obviously still in heat order, and then there's two rounds of seeding, and then we went straight into three rounds of qualifying. So then Saturday. It kind of made it a little bit difficult because you ha- you're going straight into finals. Obviously, you have just one or two laps just as a warm up if you're lucky, and then you're just straight into it. So uh, everyone got two finals, unless you made the A main, then you got three. And then after that, uh, you go straight into four wheel drive seeding, not even a free practice. And then I think we did two rounds of four wheel drive qualifying on Saturday, and then Sunday was just a rest. And then obviously, uh, forward that was four wheel drive. 13.5 four-wheel and a mod stadium truck. So it's really, it's really packed. Like uh, I've been to, uh, I think, almost 10 EOSs now. I did like, I was speaking with the guys over the Brits the other days and jokingly the running joke now is on the, the EOS veteran. So, but yeah, I've been to quite a lot. So I have to admit this was the biggest one by far and some really long days. Yeah, what well, was a long, long day for you? Like, I'm just, conf- I'm, I want to know, what do you consider a long day? I mean, we were, I think we were in the hall like on the Friday by seven and then finished by like 10, 30, 11. Oh, that is long. So, that is long for the U for Europe. Yeah. yeah, for Europe. I mean, most EOSs, if it's like a, a, a decent turnout, you'll finish normally maximum like seven, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. So this is long. And especially, you know, basically you just go to EOS, you go straight into it and you travel straight back. So it's not like you have any time to sort of recover. So, so also, um, how big is this? So you have stock, uh, two wheel drive buggy and four wheel drive buggy. And it's what? 13, five for four wheel drive and 17, five for, for two wheel drive. Or how does I think, uh, let's see. So I think it's it's, two wheel drive stock was 13, five and then four wheel drive is actually 10.5. So I think I know it's faster than what the Americans run, but I don't know just because it's carpet. So like, it just makes sense to have a higher motor, but, uh, I feel like it worked out enough. I've definitely noticed over the years 
stock is growing mm. massively, especially at EOS. Like uh, when I did it a few years ago, it was maybe one, two heats maximum. But now, I mean, there was like, I think, I think maybe two or drive. It was like six, seven heats of really? 13, five. So yeah, it was quite crazy. It was maybe it was three, five, six, whatever it was. It was still like a way bigger than I remember. So like there were some guys are getting quite quick in there. So are they Tekken yeah, people? Really are they growing. Tekken motors? Like they do in America? So there, so there's a handout motor. So the two wheel drive guys, they got like a, I think it's an LRP okay. motor. I think those are the guys who are sponsoring it. And then obviously you run the ESC and uh, Blinky or whatever it is. So they have guys, you have to squeeze near your car before every run. So I didn't hear it. For, for our American friends, so. scrutineering is tech. And if you hear him. Yeah, yeah. So just tech. Yes. If you hear him say something like Rostrum, it's the driver stand. Uh, they have different words in the UK. All right, uh, we're watching A1 here. This is from Raceway 1. We just saw, uh, we might as well get right into A1 or two-wheel drive because I think we're going to focus on <clears throat> two-wheel drive mod and four-wheel drive mod. Uh, Brock Champlin ran away. Well, hold on, we got to get into qualifying first. But Brock Champlin just demolished everybody in qualifying. Everybody in two-wheel drive. Like, came out, like, I had, I was shocked. I didn't think he was going to go over there and do that. I thought he'd win a he he went around or something like that, but he dominated two wheel drive. Tell me about that. That must have been a shock for you for the European guys. Yeah, like uh, I mean, I heard last minute they were going because Lee told me they were going to Switzerland and Brock was going, so I didn't I didn't even think much of it. But uh, yeah, him, I mean, I've got to give it. The guy just came and basically just painted the town red, like straight from the get go. I feel like because these jumps are a lot bigger than usual and you guys have big jumps in America, maybe that was an advantage for him. Cause I could see that the guy was, I mean, he knows how to whip like, uh, I will not take that away from him. So I don't know if that was an advantage or like, because, uh, I feel like even I saw the Florida carpet champs, like there's so long between heats and so on. So you kind of got to make that five minutes count. I might be talking bullshit, but like, uh, this is just what I think, but I mean, no excuses. A guy, I mean, he absolutely killed it. Like, uh, he's found something in there. Was you shocked that weekend? Was you shocked that he came over? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was really shocked because, uh, I thought Olawski was just gonna come in and, as usual, he would dominate. But, uh, I mean, Brock came in and I thought the same. Brock would be like, you know, like a top three at least, like, uh, because he's not used to the Schumacher ties. I feel like they gave more grip and stuff and he wouldn't be used to that. But yeah, he came out and just cleaned up. So he went to Switzerland as well. Yeah, so some of the Schumacher guys, they were in Switzerland doing all the practice. So, yeah, so, I mean, I know they've got some new guys on board. So I think him, uh, Kovovic, Martin, and then Michael and Trish and stuff all All out there for a few days. Kovovic and Martin on the same team. Ooh, they must have not. Ooh, ooh. You know who had a good uh, Lee? Lee was in both A-mains. And he was in, in that A1, he was in second. And Kovovic hit him. Like, and I don't know why he hit him. And they both went back down to like last because it took so long for the marshal to get there. But that was, that was just a, a thing that I saw in the final. Lots of, lots of mistakes. Uh, but I just had to say that. Uh, back to qualifying. I think Mika was second. I think. Was it Wittemeyer that was second? Check yeah, Mika's like, yeah, two wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. Mika's like, yeah, Mika is S works. Like, uh, he's been killing it with that S-Works as well. Like, uh, I'll be honest, like in my eyes, it doesn't look like it's going that well, but the way he's driving it, like says otherwise. 
Well, SRX is pushing right now. They're, they're pushing the 10-scale market in Europe as well as America. But I think they're viable contenders now. Uh, I, they got Yorn. They probably need to get... Um, they got Mika, but I would think they would need to get maybe maybe a top, 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 top. Not saying that Mika isn't. He's a very good carpet racer. But maybe like a... I don't know who would fit their bill. But we know Boots and, and Kanas aren't really going to race much 10 scale. So they need to well, get... They have Clement, Clement Bottom. Yes, he's not yes. like... He's yes. not something, someone who you predict to win the world, you know? Yeah, that's they, what I'm trying to say. To get, they need somebody yeah. that I think can win a world with their 10 scale car. Not saying that Mika... He's not good. And the guys they have aren't good. But Aswax is definitely putting their foot like putting their, their throwing their glove or throwing their, their dog into the fight for the 10 scale. And you can see it because right now in, in the U in Europe, it's UK. It's, it's X-ray. Now they, it was good to see them come back as well, but you have X-ray Schumacher, AE and now S works. Those are the four main brands with Schumacher and X-ray and probably AE being the bigger ones of those ones. But, those are the four main brands. It's good to see he it just looked like he had some bad luck in his in his mains, I think. But he was flying in in qualifying. Who else was impressive in qualifying in two wheel drive? Oh man, uh, I mean, Kirup as well. Like he, I mean, we were on the social team, and he just had some. He had some crazy pace. Like I don't know, I can't remember where he finished in the end, but him and then Alexander Landon. Mm-hmm. Who is like, this uh, Alexander you know, Landon? That's why I want to know. Who is he? He's a Swedish driver. So Max actually driver. might know better than me. Yeah, yeah. Swedish driver. He's a, he's a Swedish driver. He used to drive for X-Ray for a very long time. He mm. was this young kid who the Swedish 10 scale scene isn't that big. Like okay. it has always like kind of struggled a bit. They used to race like outdoors a lot more. Like that was more popular. Um, so he won like already as like a kid, like he was probably like 12 or something. He won a lot of the South uh, Swedish cups and stuff like that. And then at some point, like carpet racing really picked up in Sweden a lot. And then, then you, you started coming up with these really fast kids like Elias Johansson and, um, and Alexander London also came up to be like one of the top guys in Sweden. Um, there was a few to a few others, but I think like Paulson has a uh, track. David has his track. There's lots of like big indoor tracks these days in Sweden. So Alexander London has been like the young and up and comer kid in 10 scale in Sweden. And now that he has like the tracks, the competition and all that, now he's sort of is at his full potential. And he's also coming a bit older, I think. I would expect him to be like something like 18, 17 right now, around there. Other 20s though. But like now he's sort of getting getting to the, you know, peak uh, of the curve, you know. Like when you're a kid, you get a little bit better, a little bit better, and then you hit like that sharp, sharp peak. Um, and I think he's hitting it right now. So he's had some pretty decent results recently. This is one of them. Is he an associated driver? Yeah, he's now associated. I think he made the switch a year or two back, a couple of years back, maybe before COVID. But yeah, he made the switch from X-Ray. He was a he was with X-Ray for a very long time, and then he switched over to AE. And yeah, this, I think this was his first like really good result because if I'm not wrong, he ended up finishing in 
well, he made the A in both, and he ended up finishing quite high up, somewhere around top five, a little bit lower probably, but yeah, around the top five here. So he had a really good weekend, to be honest. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about A1 then. So A1, Connor Brock got out to a lead from, as they say, from lights to flags. Or flags to lights, whatever. I heard Tom Cockrell say that. I thought it was a great saying. Uh, I thought that Arlowski, when he got cross, Mika, I think, or I think I thought he was going to put up a challenge. But then he made, like, he came off that, he jumped that that double, like, that had the spray paint on his side, on his second lane, on the front straight. And he got caught up on that little rubber eyelet right there. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, that was such a sneaky, that looked so hard because that's flexible. It looked like, you know, I saw Brock like carve that so close so many times, but uh, that caught uh, Orlowski out, and that ended any type of challenge for him. And then uh, I think it was um, Karap. I think came Karap. Karap came up from behind, I believe. Let's see. He got um, yeah. He got in what? No, he got fifth. But who came up behind? I was just watching this man. Uh, London. Alexander London. Right. Okay. So this was the A1 one. was the incident with Kobebeck and Lee Martin because they were actually fighting for second when that happened. And that was a dumb move on Kobevic's part. Like, I don't know how he hit, um, how he hit Martin like that. Martin has been fuming. I would have been fuming, but Martin was pretty good. Like, he, he's having a good, you know, debut with the Schumacher cars on the carpet. Uh, I like Kobevic too. I got to meet him at this, at the Florida race, but, uh, yeah, great. Brock, from start to finish, he, he wins that. We go on to A2. It'll be a little closer. We'll see uh, Mika and Orlowski kind of stay behind him, and they made a little train, and he wasn't getting away. And then you saw Karap. That's when he came, and he was just like, you know how, like, you can just, well, when I'm watching a stream, you just see, like, a wheel of a guy coming around the corner, and I'm watching, <laughs> watching the main grab You're like, oh, that guy's coming. Like, you know, you see him in your peripheral vision. But that's what I kind of felt with Karap. And I'm like, here comes the Dane. And he just came and he came. And I think Mika made a mistake. And maybe him and Orlowski kind of touched a little bit. But, uh, man, he got into second, I think. And I think he got second. Let me make sure I'm saying the right things here. Uh, yeah, he got into second. And I I, I thought he was going to catch Brock. But he couldn't. But, man, he was he showed some incredible pace, that young man. He's incredible. Yeah, I think he's definitely the most impressive of the, you know, like, you know, the Hall brothers, um, I guess Carberwick to some extent, still a young driver, but um, Kerup is definitely, in my opinion, like the most, shows the most promise of becoming like the next Orlowski kind of character. I mean, he's already a European champion at, I, I believe, a younger age than what Michal was when he won. So yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I I I'd expect. I don't know how good he's on dirt. Like someone like Yona is like super good on dirt, not the best on carpet. But Kairo is like really good on astro carpet and stuff like that. So I, I I'd be interested to see how it does in the worlds. But definitely the Euros this year is built again like a very very top end contender. He's your teammate, Will. What you think? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I actually haven't. Obviously, I, I pitted close with him and a bit of halls, but I haven't actually spoken. I've spoken a bit with his dad, but I mean, yeah, the kid, like, he has this ridiculous pace. I mean, I feel like he has quite an aggressive driving style, but 
And it seems like whenever he gets behind someone, he's kind of like almost intimidating them into like a mistake. But like, he just has to, yeah, like he's, he had all this pace, even in four wheel. He was just on it. But to be honest, like I can't say anything else. He was just on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's what, like, that's what he did at the Euros this year too. Like, like when he got, um, in Folger, when he got up front, he was just like kept going fast. Like, that's that's impressive about him. Yeah, he he was flying in four wheel drive. We'll talk about that because he got in some trouble in A one or four wheel drive or leg one or four wheel drive. But uh, Mika would come in. I just want to go through the top ten. Her Mika would end up in third in that run, and the the kid, well, kid Alexander Landon in fourth. Uh, but yeah. I think overall, I, I mean, Brock wins it in two. I think nobody could have predicted that, but mm-hmm. after TTQ qualifying, he was probably one of the favorites going into four-wheel drive the next mm-hmm. day. I thought after that dominating performance, he was going to clean up in four-wheel drive, but uh, we would have more to say about that. What's your thoughts on that, Max? What He did say this. Brock said that this carpet was very grippy. I heard him do an interview. It's very different from what he's used to in America. Yeah, I think this the interesting thing is that Brock has been really, really good in four-wheel drive in America, but then sometimes he struggled with two-wheel drive. And for example, at the for- Florida Corporate Nationals, like there, Orlowski was much more comfortable in two-wheel drive uh, than Brock, but then four-wheel drive, those two were kind of matched. So like, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very surprised why that difference is. Um, like I, I haven't driven on the USA carpet, so it's hard to say, but I do think that the sort of design style of the Schumacher car really suits the US carpet and the way Brock drives, especially over jumps where he really aggressively, you know, shoots down jumps, whereas Orlowski lets the car like roll much more. That's something I think is to his advantage. And then what Will said about the layout. That definitely, this layout was one of my favorites in a long, long time at EOS. I think what Will said is actually right. Like the EOS layout has been going the worst direction for a while, but this was a very nice one. And being a layout like this, where there's more jumps, more like rhythm, not really rhythm sections, but having the rhythm, the jump turn, you know, keeping the rhythm up. I think that's something that Orlowski generally isn't as comfortable with. Um, so, I mean, even, even Orlowski had like, he ended up beating, you know, um, Lee and Kovic, but at some point Lee and Kovic was in front of him too. So Orlowski had a, let's say a tough weekend and then Brock performed at a very good level. And that's just like, that just resulted in him dominating because, you know, I think Schumacher is a bit ahead of the competition in, in especially, you know, high-speed EOS carpet tracks. Um, on Astro, A is much closer, in my opinion. But all those things sort of go together. And then, like, Brock being comfortable with the car, uh, where the car works, having a layout that sort of suits him. And let's be honest, he is still, like, I'd say probably one of the fastest, like at least top five fastest carpet drivers in the world. And I would say he's like probably top three, you know? So it's not like, you know, he was expected to do bad here. <laughs> I mean, no, no, it would have no. been weird if he didn't 
finish in the top three, in my opinion. I, I would agree with that. Uh, how about you? What was your th- final thoughts on that? And then we'll move on to four-wheel drive. Will? Like on, a, like on two-wheel drive? or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, I kind of agree with a lot of the things Max just said then. I feel like uh, the EOS tracks and generally European tracks, like we haven't got the massive jumps and kind of, kind of sort of the tracks that we had at EOS this weekend. So I feel like for the American guys, it kind of would suit someone a bit more like Brock, where you had to be really precise with all the jumps and carry that speed. Because it feels like in Europe, because the jumps are smaller, you're always trying to just try carry that speed, but then like you forget about like all the jumps are in the way or you're not used to it. And I I do think that makes a massive difference when you're not comfortable with that, because as everyone knows, you know, to be fast and RC, you've got to have confidence. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to crash. It's just that simple. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, it's just like this EOS carpet. It's almost like you're driving a pan car, you know? It's not like, you know, when you're driving on a regular carpet, it's more like, you know, you're driving a, a touring car style car where you try to be smooth, go around it. But this US carpet, it's like really, it has a little bit of give, but then the car like shoots to one direction. So you have to be super precise, but you still have to push a lot sort of over the limit. So it's, it's, it's almost like you're driving a pan car and then you, there's jumps on the track, you know, and especially like combine that with you know, usually European jumps are really, really bad. Like not only aren't, are they small, they are just like, they throw up the car in the air weirdly. So you don't have to really focus on downsizing the jump. Good. You just have to focus on getting over it nicely. And here it's that that's the key. Like the jumps are easy to do, but they're hard to do fast, you know? And Brock has that part really well down because, you know, Americans generally are much better at jumping and they are much used to tracks like this where there are jumps like that. The overall layout is still very European, in my opinion, not very American, but just the jumps are not very European style. And yeah, I think, you know, that aggressive style of Brock also works really well with with uh, this style of track. So and he, he did superior as well. So they don't drive, do bump ups, sure. right? Uh, will no bump ups? No. Okay. So just no, no bump ups. Yeah, just going over our top. So it's just ten. Like as Dagani would say, this is a real A main with only ten people. Uh, let's go over your top ten here because Karap actually did win uh, leg three. So it would be Brock Champlin, Marcus Karap, Mika Widmeyer, Alexander Landon, Mike Walowski, Lee Martin. I think that's a good result for him. Martin Bayer. Wow, he's it's he, X ray comes back and he makes the main. Daniel Kobovic, Jorn Newman. And uh, the UK's Tommy Hall notables in this Paco just in eleventh max the great finish hope yeah he the thing is like I think he he won both uh, oh no no in in four drive was thirteen but no he got he, one, was, he got a one and a four yeah but yeah <laughs> Paco I mean to be honest like this guy's been in the forest for the past month oh he's been at oh has he been at the he's been in the army that's correct yeah he's been in the army and the only times he's gotten out he was at ets last week and now at eos so like i i I mean i was a bit surprised he even went but i mean i guess it's good experience i guess you can be a pro rc chase your dreams even when you're in the army uh also notable was uh the 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 
Marto Zalaski, the Polish, the young Pole, who did make the four-wheel drive main. And then I got a shout-out yeah. to Berkan Kimmich. Not only, yeah, not only did he make the main, he finished in the podium. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're gonna. He's yeah. he's another one that's up and coming, and we gotta look out for. All right, uh, we're actually watching leg one of the four wheel drive main. If you're tuning in on YouTube, if you are tuning on YouTube, remember to hit that subscribe notification, leave a like or dislike, and a comment, and share. Help us uh, grow this YouTube channel. Uh, and also, this is cover. Uh, this video is courtesy of Raceway One. I will leave a link for this in the written description of the pod podcast. Uh. Okay, let's move into four-wheel drive. So we didn't see the domination uh, of this from Brock. In fact, it was this time around, it was his teammate, Orlowski, who we thought would be the guy to do this. And uh, yeah, I mean, Orlowski kind of, I'm trying to find qualifying ranking lists now. Uh, Orlowski, I think he won all three, followed by Bartos Zarlaski. Great run for him. Yeah. Brock Chapman. Polish lockout on the front row. Yeah, exactly. Is so is <laughs> Zalowski's X-ray correct, Will? Yeah, yeah. He's he's X-ray. He was actually only the he was the only X-ray in that four-wheel drive final, which I was actually really surprised with because the X-ray cars always seem to be really strong on the carpet. But well, what a great one. what a great uh, result! Just making that and being second for that young man the first time. X-ray is back on at EOS in how many years? That's awesome! Congratulations yeah. to I him. I mean, he was he made the podium last year too. I think he was here too. So he's 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 been really good. And in Poland, they race a lot on EOS carpet. Yeah, and he's like really close to Michal there. So he was good at the worlds for eight scale too. He was pretty fast. Yeah, he he's a he's a very he's a young driver, and he's also like very like they focus on. You know, like being a professional driver, you know, like yeah, yeah. practicing with some actual, actual uh, idea behind that. So I know Pavel been, wants to come in there and talk about it. I tell him he needs to do a yeah. video about it. He needs to do a video of it. Yeah. Uh, the the hand eye coordination stuff. Uh, but he's definitely one to look up. Speaking of, Karap was good. Karap was good at the Worlds as well in eight scale. So this is another yeah. a young man we have to add to that list of who to watch for. <clears throat> but uh yeah, Orlowski takes all three. Uh Korup does, I think he takes a looks like he got a I wish they really just gave you the positions that they finished yeah. and not the points in this. Please yeah, my Kyra, RCM. Yeah, Cairo passes second and a fifth. Uh but yeah, I, I it's, and actually it's not my RCM, it's uh the who, one who does the lap counting. You can you can do it in my RCM the way it's more sensible. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh let's get to this. So um Orlowski, Schumacher dominant again in this. Orlowski, but the racing was a, l- a little bit close in her. It wasn't I mean Orlowski did win it in two. But it was a little more, bit more close. Uh, Karap, man, I have to. Okay, let's talk about A one because Karap made that that he hit Lee in that. Not sorry, he hit uh, Brock in that curve. You know that come, that sweeper coming off the straightaway. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I haven't slid down, I haven't seen, I haven't really watched it, right? But they let it go, and then but after that, uh, Zalaski made that mistake in that jump. And then that kind of let him and Karap get it. But that pass that Karap made on him through that chicane to come on the front straightaway, woof. I was like, woof. 
That was that was that was some good driving. Will, did you did you see the incident? What were, what was your thoughts on that? So it's this with uh, Brock and Brock and Karap. Uh, yeah. So I was actually uh, you might both see this video. I'm not sure, but I was standing right next to Will, so I saw it sort of literally in front of my eyes. My opinion was a uh, Karap got a really good really good uh, line onto the straight. And he was already in the inside and he was basically already in front of Brock. And then they tapped, like it was a tap. It wasn't like anyone got taken out, but it was a tap. But so in my opinion, I think Brock should have yielded if I was in that position. So in my opinion, it's just hard racing. But I know some guys they they think it was actually a takeout. Brock went ape shit after. Because I was really surprised it actually went through. I I just thought it was just normally in Europe you just leave set, let something like that go. But it, then I guess as Brock went to uh, Scotty or race control, then they agreed. They said otherwise. Yeah, he got penalized on the next race. He had to start in the last, right? I think he what? he had a five second penalty. I think that was what happened. So he yeah, I think he, he had second and then yeah, they did it in a weird way where. He his actual finishing time was eighteen laps, you know, five fourteen. Mm-hmm. But then they switched it so that he had seventeen laps five oh two. So they gave the five second penalty, but they gave it like a lap before. So they like if if they just gave it a five second penalty on top of his like ending time, he would have ended up third. Oh sorry, fourth in that main. But now he ended up all the way in seventh. So I don't know, like that penalty was very weirdly given. Because like and the thing is like he still is in front of Brock. So it wasn't like they wanted to place him behind Brock. So a very weird way of giving a penalty, to be honest. Yeah, I don't understand that. I'm pretty sure that Brock was going ape shit after this. I would have I would have had my camera on that driver's stand as soon as this race would have been on. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I do want to say, because this seems to happen quite a lot at, um, well, I mean, I'd say EOS, but like big races where there's some form of refereeing, but not very official type of refereeing, like penalties are not given until someone like really complains about it. Like someone gets mad and it's like, hey, he needs a penalty, whatever. Then they like give a, someone a penalty. So effectively, it's not that you know there are rules and you ought to follow them. It's that there are rules that are only enforced if someone gets pissed off enough. Which obviously I don't know all the you know things behind the scenes, but I've seen this happen before at EOS. You know, someone complain about it, they've given a penalty. Or uh, well, perhaps this wasn't EOS, but a race in Europe anyway. Well, I think it should be much more clear cut. And also the way this penalty is given, like how on earth could you, like you can't say you drop Marcus behind Brock, which is because it didn't happen. So that's not the way you did the penalty. But you added, like they've added five seconds, but not to his ending time before the time, you know, like before the final lap. So they docked him a lap and added five seconds. Well, not really. What they did was they took the time he had before the last lap and then added five seconds. And because that that went over five minutes, 
then that was declared as his finishing time. So it was a super complicated way to give a penalty. And still, he finished in front of Brock. So it's, it's like... I mean... I'm lost. I'm not even trying to figure yeah, it out. I'm not trying to figure it out. I mean, I know what they did. And I can see why they did it. You know, because he had... He made the pen... He touched him before the last lap. You know, so they... They ended it like they put the time of the penalty, you know, mid race. But it's just, you know, in my opinion, doing it like this is a bit, bit odd, you know. So they don't I, have I referees rather... here, just the RD, right, Will? Yeah, just the race director, Scotty. So, like, because one thing I was going to say, uh, one of the first things I noticed when I started racing in Europe was how. The driving standards, like, uh, I'm sorry if this upsets anyone, but like, are definitely like not sort of what I was used to in the UK. Like, it seems like everyone's just so rough, and especially some of the younger guys, like, they take literally any single opportunity, even if it's sort of not there. And I feel like, especially with that kind of driving, you could really do it with a referee, like, especially with something like EOS. They actually had a, a referee at a workshop, but I mean, that's not the same as, yeah, like, a I think, EOS. Yeah. I think Will is a good example to have here because the UK of all the countries in Europe, they are like the most strict, like uh, strict in refereeing, you know, like in Finland and in Sweden, like in northern countries, we do have referees usually, but we have, we are like quite lenient, you know, people generally drive quite clean but like, so we don't have that refereeing culture, but someone like Stitson and people like that, these guys are like the strict, strictest referees I've ever, ever seen anywhere. And they actually do their job too. So it's not like they just referee when they see something, they like watch around, you know, do stuff like that. But at EOS, that has kind of never been the case. Um, I'd say probably because Scotty runs it. So it's more to mm-hmm. like, He's like, used to a more American style, you know, where it's kind of like not so like he still he still gives penalties and he's quite fair, but it's not so like organized as the UK style of like refereeing. Is, right, right, right. Like like that hit with with Kopovic. I, I'm sorry, like I don't think anybody would have waited that long in America. Then I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, I gotta go. And uh, but that was. To credit, that was a good wait by Kovovic. I'm, I'm he did wait for him. Yeah, I keep commenting that because that was such a long wait. But yeah, I think at EOS, what what mostly has been done is Scotty usually like there isn't like in in UK racing and racing under Efra. There's things like stop and goes. It's like hey, you have a penalty about this. But at EOS, Scotty usually is a bit more, you know. Um, hands on with it so oftentimes he says you gotta wait or you gotta let the guy buy you you know stuff like that so that's why you know Kovic for example there he knew he'd probably get called off by Scotty because he's raced at the US for so long so he waited you know because he Scotty would have told him to do so anyway but I think the issue comes when when like Scotty on his own can't really see everything and if you have a give, give a penalty afterwards and you don't really have a proper rule book on how it is. So it's a bit of a gray area at the US because there's a form of refereeing, but it isn't uh, like 
written down like black and white. Okay. All right. So let's finish off on, on four wheel drive. Let me go back to the ranking list here. So Arlausi takes it in two. Brock Champlin uh, managed to, to take it uh, to finish second. Still a great result for Brock. Uh, Zalaski, great result for the young Paul. Third. I think he can be very happy with that. How old is this this guy? Do you know, Will? I think he's like 16, I want to say. I think I think he's 14. Like he's yeah, he's he's really young. I mean he's tiny, like on the roster, on the driver's stand. So yeah. I believe he's 14 or 15. Um Pavel has told, told me a lot about him and Johan and Pekko also, they went to Poland to race and they said like he was really, really fast. You know, Johan and Pekko both are fast drivers mm-hmm. and like he's, he's definitely on carpet one of the fastest kids like alongside Karup and, <clears throat> and these guys. But I still want to see Salewski, you know, have that... Um, have that sort of variety, you know, not only on carpet should he be fast, but on other surfaces as well. Like Kyra, for example, he's very good on like all kinds of carpets, you know, not only on ES carpet, not only sometimes tracks, he's good on all kinds of like high group tracks. Um, kind of like I put Zalewski and the whole brothers a little bit to, you know, the same box where they are fast, you know, whole brothers in UK and then on carpet, obviously. Salewski in you know Poland and on carpet, but they don't they don't have that sort of um, wide you know range. They're still I young think, though. I think Tom is like what oh, 16, for sure. 17? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Eighteen it's, maybe. Uh, I'm not. I'm not putting them down. Right. But I'm saying like that's where I think Corrupt is maybe a like, little bit in front of them. I would say. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. Well, that's right. the point I'm trying to make. Like, for example, Orlowski, he can race on any surface. You know, he's always going to be good, one of the top in the world on any surface. Like to reach that level, that's what drivers like Salevsky and the whole brothers have to improve on. And I think Kairup is closer. He's not there, obviously, yet, mm-hmm. but he's closer than Salevsky and the uh, the whole brothers. Okay, so. But this, I think it's amazing how, like, every time, like, someone like Orlowski starts to be, you know, it was, it used to be Neumann when he got, like, over 20, became to be like a normal name in top 10 scale. Then Orlowski came up, Jona Hartanen came up, you know, these guys. And then when those guys grew older, then now you have the whole brothers to care of, you know? So it's like, in Europe, there seems to be a very consistent, you know, progression of new drivers. And that's really interesting to see. And it's, I don't know why it is, but it's always intense scale. I think it has something to do with like the short season, um, because we rarely get to race a full eight skill season, unless it's in Spain or like Portugal, perhaps in Southern Italy, but not in Northern Italy, definitely. Yeah, that's a, think, yeah. that's actually a great segue, but we're going to segue to that in a second. Uh, I just wanted to get Will's final thoughts on four-wheel drive bef- before we move on to some of my afterthoughts I have here. Yeah, I feel like four-wheel drive is kind of sort of what Evans was sort of expecting. Like uh, Orlowski just sort of, I know those guys got a brand new car. They've done a lot of testing of it. So I think sort of Orlowski felt sort of pretty, pretty uh, at hope of that. And especially that, they're the race, the race, uh, Polish race star jumps. 
something like that has like something to do with it as well. So he already knows like the deal with it. He's done it a million times. Maybe the same with Lelesky as well. There's a maybe a confidence factor there, but I mean, I feel like for us, just saw what you expected. I mean, I feel like Clement was sort of one of the the guys I wouldn't have expected to make the A main there, but he did. So that's sort of my closing thoughts. Yeah, I I, I met Clement at the RCGP UK. Him and his dad. Uh, I I. I wouldn't surprise. I'm surprised that he made it. I can't expect him to be making these now. You know, uh, he's the, probably next big talent coming out of France. There, ten scale wise, maybe maybe eight scale wise too. You'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I think he's good enough, and he should be in the, the the plethora of young talent that Europe has in the ten scale program is is utterly amazing. I mean, let's segue to that anyway. I mean, we have, we got we got Tommy Hall, who I think is very impressive. You know, Bill, you you know these guys a little bit more intimately. Uh, AE guy, uh, AE is is got a, a you know they got car up, they got uh, they still got they still got Neil Craig who, who switched to hot race by the way. I just saw that. Uh, still got Neil Craig who can make these mains as well. They got um, not make just not just make these mains. I mean, he could literally top three podium probably win if everything falls right for him. I think. Um. AE is very strong. Like, it, like they have a very good youth team coming up. Because what are your thoughts on that? Like, what would you compare? What, if you had to rank these young guys right now, I know Tommy Hall's UK, you know, in, in his, you, know, you got to do it for the, for the king now, not the queen. <clears throat> uh, where would you rank these guys? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I was going to start with Tommy. Like, uh I know the guys pretty well, and I, I really think Tommy will be something. I mean, he showed obviously a lot of potential at the Euros, and the fact that he's going like he came to this EOS, which is a really competitive one, and he saw and he he came to America. He was pretty competitive. Yeah, he came to America as well, and I did, did he finish top five? I think in two wheel. He made both means in a stacked, stacked, stacked race. Yeah, and I just so uh, I feel like there's a lot of potential there for Tommy, and I just feel I think right now. I mean, hopefully, I know he's in, he's trying to, he's just finishing sort of high school, you could say, it's something he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. But I think like if he can just spend a year and just travel, mm-hmm. I think he'll be right up there. Because at the moment, I know you probably won't like me to say this, but like, I feel like Corrupt probably has, at least from that EOS, that tiny bit more speed. But I mean, I feel like Tommy's a really consistent driver. Like in the UK, he's one of those guys now where he'll just be five minutes and you don't have to worry about anything, but there's so many drivers out there. That I don't want to say corrupt does crash, but like I've seen corrupt, he'll be ballistic, and then sometimes he'll have like a small bubble or a mistake that'll stop him. But I feel like Tommy, he's got that head, he's got that head space, and he can do that five minutes really clean. And obviously, racing with guys like Lee and Neil in the UK, I feel like will just help him get that extra confidence because he knows how he can beat those guys. Yeah, Tommy. The way Tommy goes around the track for like when you look at it for a five minute run, he reminds me a lot of like Neil. You know, like both are very calm, drive like they just drive. It's not. It's there's no fuss about it. You know, uh, like um, from the UK. You know, th- there are drivers like I think Lee is a bit more. You know, on and off. But Neil is sort of like he just goes on track. He does what he does, and that's it. You know, He's like so calm about it. And I think Tommy has that similar quality. I have a question for you, though, Max and Will. Zaleski does eight scale. Does that world? Karap at world does eight scale. Clement does eight scale too. Do you think that 
Uh, does Tommy Hall do eight scale or does it strictly 10 scale? Or I believe he's going to have to do some. So he did actually do a year of 10 scale nationals last year okay. before the year, well, 2021 where there wasn't any temp scale nationals okay so they were, they were actually really competitive it they were into a mains basically straight away and i think he even podiumed at one of them so but i think their plan is they just want to focus on temp scale for now and just sort of build that up because that's where the guys are sort of doing their best out at the moment but i think i definitely think they'll come back to ape scale like they're no slouching it at all well i think they need so, it i think I it's think, beneficial to their program well ransom well well, yeah, potentially. I think it would definitely help with the confidence side and just racing against faster guys. And you learn a lot from Ape Scale. I mean, I I know all these Ape Scale guys. There's so much you can learn from it and transfer into Temp Scale, which is like the longer finals. Like, I think it will teach you a lot of racecraft. I'm not saying that he has bad racecraft, but like mm-hmm. you can learn so much from that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Uh, a couple of thoughts I had her after this race. <laughs> Great to see Brock over there. Uh, I would like to see, I would love to see a Dakota fan, uh, you know, Ryan Mayfield, got Cav over there again. I hope they do come. Uh, it, I mean, you can just see, like Americans want to follow Americans. So they're going to pay attention to EOS when it's an American there. I believe They'll, there are people that are going to pay attention to it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I feel that they, I would love to see more Americans come. to. I know these guys have a super busy schedule, but it would be great to see these guys come over here and race more and vice versa. Uh, you know, the Europeans go to America a lot, but I would like to see them come over to see, to do this. How great is it to, I mean, X-Ray is back at the EOS. How long did they stay out of this uh, voluntarily? So we should see Bruno at the next EOS, hopefully. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't actually that long. I feel it was maybe a year or so. I, I don't know the ins and outs of what actually happened. I just, from what I understand, there was like a situation that happened with the Reinhardt. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, you could say it. Then, you said it before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so Reinhardt, there's beef. Mean, yeah, so basically there's some sort of beef going on, but uh, I think now like they're kind of trying to settle it down a bit. And uh, yeah, they came back. I mean, it was great to see them because uh, I do feel like they bring a, re- a really nice atmosphere to it. And especially having met like uh, Bayer, Bruno and Gotsal and stuff and Martin Benitez, like it, it adds like to the field and it, Makes you more competitive, but obviously those guys are, I mean, they're really sound guys, to be honest, like off the track, they really sound. So I hope they can take, I hope they really come back into EOS and maybe ETS. Cause I feel like, I mean, Bruno's kind of that benchmark in touring cars. So I feel like if he comes back to ETS, that's really going to push everyone again. So, but it's, I agree. but yeah, hopefully we'll see what happens. I agree. What's your thoughts on that, Max? Yeah. You, you happy to see X-Ray back in the mix? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, this race was a really good race for many reasons. One, for showcasing, you know, the new talent in Europe. Most of the top guys were there. Even Brock was there over from America. And still these young guys are there, you know, fighting for it. So it's it's like they, they can consistently get up there. and They have, you know, the level needed to become like top challengers. So that was a positive. Then track... Uh, back to these amazing uh, EOS tracks. I remember when I raced EOS, you know, very actively in 2017, I raced all of them. Um, or was it? Oh, wait. 2016, 2017 winter. I raced every single EOS. That was the year where I, I think the tracks were really nice. Then year forwards, 2018, 2019, those seasons were still good. Um, but then like, 
just before COVID and then during COVID, it went a lot downhill. I think this was a really good step in the right direction, you know, uh, different colored for the in- infields, um, new carpet looks nice, jumps are really good, really flowing layout, you know, it, it looks good. Like that's that's like that's big thing on its own that it looks professional, looks nice. And then also that there aren't any weird jumps or like odd looking things. You no, know? I think that was a really nice positive thing about this event. And then the last to say is I think the raceway one coverage of uh, of EOS and the Euro of Euro RC series. I think the YouTube channel is called mm-hmm. is. They, I think this, like this last two week stint of ETS EOS, that to me at least has been like, all right, these guys are doing it really well. Uh, looking at the YouTube channel, they even have, you know, extra interviews, like extra recaps. So it's not only that they do a live stream and then chop it up and then they do also other content. They, it, it looks more than just a, you know, one camera live stream. There's more in it. And I think all of these things are, oh, and also the next ray joining back. And know? the website, they so, do a lot of, they do uh, written oh, write-ups yeah, too. yeah, 100%. Yeah, the written write-ups are, they have been good from for, for a year or so already. But like, that's just, I think from the media side, things coming together, the track side, it looks good. The talent is there. Now we have X-ray back. So we have, you know, a big manufacturer in Europe. And a big, it's still a big pool of talent. You know, it's Coelho, one of the best drivers in the world. And then Bayer, Götzl, these guys. So all of that sort of came together at this race, although Coelho wasn't there, but, you know, they announced that he would be there on the next round. I think this race was a very, very positive, you know, thing for the European well, racing scene in general, potent scale scene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially because the US was like every race used to have the 400 entries and like at that peak of 2017, 2018. But they have been struggling and now we're out of COVID. They have the package back together. They don't have Red RC, but now they now have Raceway One, you know. Everything is coming back together. And I think this sort of a season end uh, was a really, really positive thing and i hope they're gonna have a really good next season and i think they keep sort of this level up and perhaps even improve it if there is room i would i would i would agree with you it was really great coverage uh where when is the next one will where and they haven't announced so I, I mean i did i did hear like some rumors i think what they're talking about doing is maybe having a race uh again in germany like a sort of like in the later in the later of this year like sort of october november so i think it's gonna be in germany but i mean sort of adding to max like i really hope they build up the series and like sort of spread it around europe again so it seemed like this year was just sort of just in germany a little bit and even during the covid year was sort of germany which i to be honest i get but like, i did a full season in 2018 2019 and it was so great like where you, you went to poland and then you went to like czech republic and slovakia and so on it was just a really nice spread and uh also like put it in great venues like they had it in uh, like a massive motorsports event at one point in poland they really like to get the rc out 
like something like that is brilliant. Yeah. Like well now it just feels like it's just the last few years we've just been sort of in sports halls and everything, which is fine. Like there's no problem. I mean, I mean Dawn is, I mean was amazing because it's like a resort as well, so you go out and drink after and whatever. But it would be great to go back to that and as well like keep it strictly an indoor series. I feel like when they made it indoor and outdoor, like it clashes, especially when it goes outdoors, it clashes with a lot of like the summer events and national events that each country has have like I'm sure yeah. you like you guys in Finland have like a nationals and the UK we have nationals and France and so on. So I think like that EL is kind of like great for bringing people together in the winter and having something really competitive where all of the top guys are there and sort of keeping everyone sharp during the winter. And then like, obviously you have nationals, Europeans and worlds throughout the main months. Yeah. I think, I think that was really good. What Will said there, like that they have transferred from the winter series to, you know, split winter and summer, I think. And, and also like the sports hall thing, like, when I raced DOS, there was a season where one race was in Poland at this huge motorsport festival or motorsport like event. That um, I, I don't know what you call it, but like a big motorsport like fair. Then one event was at, at Nurburgring where you had a full scale, you know, Lamborghini Cup event, you know, and then. Um, one event at Hoodie Arena, which is, in my opinion, one of the best RC facilities in the world. And then I can't remember one more event, but at least one time they had an event in Austria where it was also at a big you know, model fair. So like all of them were big events, very nice venues, you know, high end. Everything was done down to a T. So I think, you know, getting back to that, like this event has the promise to get back to that, you know? Um, so I think that is really, really, really good if that happens again. And also making it purely a winter series is also a bonus, in my opinion, to get all the races attending. Will, how, were, how did you do at this race? Yeah, uh, I mean, not too bad. Uh, Two or drive, uh, I think I qualified like 23rd and then, I won the C main. So, I mean, previously I used to make C mains, but obviously everything's way more competitive now. And uh, I haven't been racing the same just because of life and stuff. But I mean, I was happy that pace was there. So, with it, I'll take it. Four you driver. Came home the winner. Exactly. Came home the winner, to <laughs> brought home the bacon. So, can't complain. And then, uh, four drives a little bit met. I'm not, four drive isn't really my strong suit. So, it was like some only E main, like a, really struggled with qualifying just me like nothing with the car just me that's all and then i actually did a stadium truck because i knew the days would be so long so i thought like i'll get a stadium truck and just do it so i uh, finished sixth in ea with that so and i've never done a stadium truck before just to clarify so uh <laughs> like that was a uh, just gonna flex with that there there you go you made the a you got six did yeah, they have triple a means yeah too? with a third and a three yeah so i actually actually got you know a little bit of a uh, light because I made the A main in that. So I actually made third in the last A main. So like, uh, yeah. And then triple A mains as well. So you know, got my money's worth, put it that way. Did you pay attention to stock at all? Uh, is, is that, is, is, I just want to, I have two more questions. Then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, is stock like kind of how I see it in America? Uh, well, okay. In America, stock is, a separate class. It's a whole separate class. 
it's it's a whole separate entity. It's it makes a lot of money for that side of the industry. There are people that can be uh, stock champions, you know, and and they they should move up to mod, but they can stay in stock. Is is stock at these races like that? Is or is it like, hey, these kids do well in stock and they want to move up to mod, or is it just is it just a class a, a separate class that people can go and race and be a part of? I personally think. It- it's more of a hobby class okay. in Europe at the moment. There were like a few guys like uh, Mattis Benetton and like I think the owner of Rude Dog Swen, but like uh, maybe also towards Mattis. Like he's, I mean, I don't want to sort of throw any like uh, sticks at him, but like he's a quick mod guy and I feel like he shouldn't be doing mod because like, I feel like at least in Europe, stock is more of a hot, it's like a hobby class. Like it's a class where you want to feel competitive if you're not, you know like mm-hmm. these top guys and I think that's fair enough so that's kind of what it feels like there might just like maybe one or two guys which in my opinion should just be doing mod but okay. uh, like it's not taking that like seriously so it's kind of like another class and you know it, okay. Okay. more the entries to make it fair enough okay I got yeah, you. I'd say I'd say it's like a filler class I personally when they added it I was not very I'm sure you wasn't because- Sure you was because Happy it's life. like that. That I I haven't heard of anyone who really races stock anywhere in Europe. You know, like most countries don't do that. So I do understand the hobby aspect of it, but I don't think you know. I think you can still have a hobby. Like you can just be on the bottom mains of the you know mod. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been very popular to be honest. Okay. As far as I know. Okay. Uh, Will. So I don't know if you paid attention to it, but there was the J Concepts INS race going on at the same time. I think what's so weird is that over in America, you got Dakota fan over there, Dominic, even though uh, actually Aiden Horn beat him in two or five. Mm-hmm. But Fend is so dominant, TLR is so good over in America, but nothing over her over there in Europe. Not nothing. Why is that? I mean, to be honest, like uh, I would love to ask the Americans that because, like, the car itself, the, the Losi, is a brilliant car, and like, I feel there's so much potential in the UK to use it as well because I feel like, especially in the UK and AstroTurfs, like I feel like the cars which were sort of designed for dirt actually work really well because these UK AstroTurfs track aren't as high grip as people think, so you need to grip. But like, I don't know why. I think they're losing a lot of, I think they're losing a lot of potential customers here, and obviously drivers and talent and. The, like, Europe is a massive market. Mm-hmm. So in my eyes, I kind of see it as like, what are you guys doing? You guys need to get out there again. Because a few years ago, when like bloomers drove for TLR and so on, you know, they were doing great. And I can imagine, and a car was good on dirt too in America. So I mean, if, I mean, if anyone can like, if they want to say it's something. It's just weird. Guys, it's like non-existent. I, I find it weird. Yeah. Go ahead, can Max. I, I know you have an opinion on this. Anything? By the way, Max, uh, <laughs> your, 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 your RC dad said hello. Okay, tell him I miss him. I want to talk to him on, on in front of <laughs> the podcast audience. But yeah, well, we're talking about TLR too, so um, I think it, it's re- um, it's related somewhat to my hero Barry the Baker, <laughs> and um, um, yeah, what, what was it? I'm going to say. Why well, oh, there's no yes. TLRs over there? So okay, here's the thing. So TLR in Europe, um, they had a big presence when Horizon Germany was a big had a big presence in, in you know uh, 
in, in racing. They had the Killich brothers. They had lots of drivers in Italy. They had a big, like, good distributor in Italy. That Sanchetti, that Ruffolo, they had Stocco, all of these fast guys in Italy, you know? Yeah, good distribution in France. They had good distribution in France, exactly. Um, England, too, because I remember uh, who was really fast when I was li- there was that guy, Alice Stafford. Yeah, yeah, and there was yeah. a lot of TLRs in England when I was there in 2014. Yeah, I think the Lewis, I think it's Lewis brothers. Uh, they both drove for TLR. At least one of them drove for TLR. I'd expect both of them. Um, and then you know, in like Northern Europe, there was still you know guys here and there you know driving TLR, and they they did well you know with that. Drake ran at the time but the issue was that in Europe I have to say um, the 10 scale market is a lot bigger than the 8 scale market whereas in America it's I'd say it's quite tied almost you know 8 scale and 10 scale might be quite similar size um, this is due to the longer winter of Europe when you can't race 8 scale but TLR had a very poor four drive and then they came out with a four drive that was still very poor, you know. They've always had a decent tool drive, but in in Europe especially, it's kind of like you race both and you don't race, you know. A lot of at least in a lot of the places where I raced before, so that definitely hurt them on the ten scale side. Then when people sort of started realizing that the TLR eight scale isn't that competitive, they lost some great distributors. Like, well, not completely lost, but for example, the France distribution switched over. A lot to S works, you know. Um, Horizon Germany, I believe, fell into some struggles or whatever, uh, or just lost interest in the racing market. Um, you know, they lost drivers like Bloomfield in the UK. Um, a lot of people move over to Agama. Uh, that was the big boom. Then on the Italy side, they just kind of lost the drive they had there. So. All of the places that had a good TLR boom kind of went away. And then also like Mugen was coming up. A lot of these, you know, like eight scale based brands like overtook TLR. And then in 10 scale, they weren't competitive enough because of the four-wheel drive. So in the end, kind of everything around TLR just died. No one wanted to distribute it because it wasn't like it's much easier to sell an AE or if you want to sell an European car, you can sell X-Ray or Schumacher, you know? So there's no reason to go into TLR uh, at that point. Now they have the products, and I bet people will start selling TLR. They will get bigger in Europe. But to build a proper, you know, distribution web is much more difficult when you have nothing to base it on, you know? Or when you have strong webs of X-Ray and Schumacher and AE distribution, like thanks to Rudok and um, a lots of small distributors like CML in UK and then in like Northern Europe, there's others. AE is really, really strong in Europe. X-Ray is obviously strong because it's a European brand and Schumacher goes gets to be strong because it's, we race on carpet, you know, and that's sort of the theme of Schumacher. So to try to invade that market is going to be really difficult. Yokomo did well for a while thanks to, you know, 
um, Reinhardt, like Tony Reinhardt and stuff like that. So they had big presence. But when you lose that presence, it's much harder to build it. And right now, there's three big brands like Schumacher. Well, S-Works is kind of putting their way into the 10 scale market. But I think, you know, TLR has a much better chance to do it now. But overall, for the reasons I just presented, it's going to be really, really hard to make that, build that up again. And I, w- I don't think it's going to happen very soon. Good. Fair enough. Thank you for coming to my lecture. <clears throat> Professor of everything. Uh, <laughs> Will, what's next What's next for you, you know, in your race? Yeah. I'm muted. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> Uh, so Will, thank you, Professor of Everything, Max. Uh, <laughs> 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 he just poked that bird more and more. Poke, poke, poke. Yeah. Uh, Will, what's next for you, race wise? Uh, yeah. So we have a DMK GP here, which is kind of becoming, yes. I guess you could say, like a UK EOS round. So. That's actually my girlfriend literally lives like five minutes away from there. So when is that? I'm feeling sort. So it's I believe it's the tenth to the twelfth of March. Okay, and it's so in a it's in a massive shopping centre. Yes. So uh it's huge, like even for UK standards, it'll take you at least ten minutes to go from one way to the, to the other. But they're not actually based on an EOS carpet. It's actually a quite literally like a office carpet. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't raced on it personally myself, but they use the the local club that runs it's called Silverstone, and they made one section of the track at one of their winter series rounds with it. And I overheard it was insanely grippy, like uh, to the fact where they were just like just turning the wheel ever so slightly just to get through it. And obviously, the rest of the track you can use a lot more throw. So, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, UK nationals, I'll be there, and I actually just got my spot for the worlds worlds in Arizona. So. Nice. I'm definitely going to be there, which uh, I've always wanted to go to America and race because I feel like, you know, dirt's the real deal. So hopefully like, I'll see I'm you there. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, definitely. Like, it'll be cool to regroup you again because uh, I haven't raced you, with you since. Like, I won't be racing. God knows how long. But I'll be there. I'll, be there. I'll, oh, be I'll see you. I'll see you anyway. I'll see you anyway. We're going to have so, you. I think we'll have to have you back on after the Milton Keys uh, race or whatever, if you want to. Oh, 100%. I think uh, that has been yeah, like my favorite. That's been like my favorite, you know, UK 10 scale race for a long time. So kind of like Neo of 10 scale. So I want to hear your thoughts on it. No, I I don't think I'll be able to make it over, but I'd wish I could. Got it. But yeah, no, of course, I'd love to come on because I feel like this carpet, if it works out, could be maybe the next thing. We'll have to see. So yeah, I'll I'll be happy to come in and talk about it. Just show me a DM. Sweet. Well, Will, I thank you for your time. Uh, Max seems to have enjoyed geeking out over ERS with <laughs> yeah. me. I think he just enjoys having yeah. another Europe. Well, like, well, you're not really European anymore because you guys left the European Union. But having another person from over that side of the pond on to talk about European racing. It's not just him. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's still European even though he's not in the Union. I mean, you know, Switzerland is Europe. Yeah. But they are not in the Union. <laughs> Sweet. It wasn't my idea, FII. So, you know. <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't my idea. So. I'm, I'm, I'm upset they did it yeah. too. Um, all right. Well, thank you for your time. Max, thank you. For, we're going to continue on, Max. Uh, we'll have fun at the MK GP. Thank you for your time. And um, it was great talking to you about EOS Dawn. Yeah, no, it's thank you so much for having me on.
Sweet. Awesome. Say goodbye, Max. That's how it works. Oh, <laughs> you were waiting for me. No, it was really fun. It was really fun having you having you here. And it's fun to, you know, have someone from Europe here. We usually have Americans, you know, as our co-host, or then Joseph, which is like, I don't know what he would be, like an alien, any grade. It's nice to have another fellow European who, who knows Yeah, we're going to have to have you on her a little bit. Do you, do you watch any of the yeah. HKL stuff, Will? Yeah, I always pay attention to it. I'm a lot big, I'm a lot good fans of like the Craddocks and uh, all those guys. So, and obviously, Hearts is one of my local tracks. So I always see the Ape Scale guys there. So, yeah, I pay attention to a lot, at least the UK and European scene, even the DNC, Psycho Nitro Blast, and stuff like that. So, sweet, sweet, cool. You need to give us the best scoops of the UK nationals. I heard there's lots of like drama within the within the series. So, I want to hear all the best scoops. You got to go there and get them for us <laughs> yeah i definitely know i've definitely heard some stories so oh i'm sure I, 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 can, way, yeah. I can tell you probably who's involved in a lot of those stories i'm not gonna say his name <laughs> but i know who's involved in a lot of the stories uh yeah i think we know i think we know but, <laughs> i think we know but uh, yeah <laughs> i met him i met him at the wilds though he's very nice a very nice gentleman i did meet him his kids his two sons are really fast really well at the worlds all right thank you will it was good chatting with you got great catch up we're gonna have you back on her soon i can see it max is probably gonna be like we need to have will on there more often i can see as soon as we get off of this i can see it in his <laughs> yeah. eyes <laughs> yeah no it was good it was good and i like to talk about 10 scale you know properly too it's often you know hard to get a grip of what's happening but good coverage having you here yeah. and all that you know combined no. Sweet. thank yeah. you We'll see you again, Will. See you later, briefcase. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. See you later, guys. Cool. Thank you, Will, for your time. It was fun chatting with you, catching up with you. Uh, you hey, RC is awesome. Another person that I met through RC many, many years ago on my travels, which happened because of RC. So you get it? Like RC's been really good to my life. Yeah. Uh, Max, we got a small little rant, but uh, you know we got to pay some bills and we got to say some thank yous to some of these companies that support us. So I want to say thank you to Sampadal USA. Uh, you've seen some pedal batters on top of many podiums, including world championships from Bruno Coelho. Uh, for everyone that doesn't know, Sampadal is a private label brand of one of the largest RC producers in China. The sales in your current packs have probably been made by Sampadal themselves. Sampadal has 4S, 2S, and 1S batteries for your off-road and on-road racing needs. Uh, to place to at uh, the place to buy Sampadal batteries is not Amazon. Sampadal race batteries are available in the USA and Canada at Sampadal, uh, sorry, shop shop.sampadalusa.com dealer inquiries are welcome and uh, congratulations to uh, Bruno Coelho because he uh, won this past weekend at uh, uh, the Snowbirds uh, thank you to uh, Sampadal USA we will have Hefty on her to do a recap of the Snowbirds uh, for next week and of course our main sponsor and title sponsor Invisible Speed, make your speed visible with the uh, book or the now online course get access to it uh you have the online course you have sorry you have the onward online course you have the offered online course going and then soon to come is the spanish online course so thank you to invisible speed for that time uh we're about to play that commercial for everybody listening to an audio this is the invisible speed commercial that does have no no words whatsoever check them out the links for that is in the written description of this podcast
All right. So thank you to InvisibleSpeed.net for their continued support, as well as Sunpadal USA. Links for all of this are in the written description of this podcast. So, Max, <clears throat> I know you're tired. I'm not going to keep you long. But I have a, a small rant, reflection. You did enough ranting in the questions, but you may or may not agree with me. I hope you, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Um, but uh, my good friend, Mark Santamaria, he released a, a video here the other day that got a lot of race. It, it got a lot of support, but it also got a lot of races uh, a little bit upset. And it was called uh, the, the Hard Truth, a Hard Pill to Swallow for RC Races or something like that. So he was basically at the at the uh, TNR race and he made a video about RC racing. Like, and he was, he was talking about a lot of things that I've said her recent, I've said a lot of things as well recently about racing and stuff like that. Uh, He was, he he told us how, how much bigger bashing is and all that type of stuff than the RC in online and worldwide, which it is and how minute RC racing is in the big scheme of things in the whole, whole, whole situation of RC. And he he went on to say like you know there which I've said before like basically your results shouldn't he says yes it's fine to be competitive and upset with yourself for not doing well but it shouldn't be it's other things that you take from these races that should be enjo- that should really make the enjoyment for this race not just your results that's what I I the gist of it that I got out of it so I saw you know I posted it because I agreed with him and a lot of people did. And I saw a few people comment on it and I don't know what his YouTube was like because I know a lot of his people are bashers and all that stuff. But I did see some racers get a little bit upset at it. And I understand why. Because I remember when I remember because Mark's a racer, right? I remember when Mark like kind of went over to this bashing side of things and I was like, what the heck is he doing? Like he's a racer. Like what is he doing? It's like he should be making racing content. You know, I was like, what is he doing? Like, I'm I'm blind to this. Like, what is, you know, now, mind you, I consume a lot of bashing content. You know what I mean? Now. So I remember, like, just watching his channel and watching it evolve. And then I sat down, I had him on the podcast and I was talking to him and I was like, he's like, man, you don't understand. Like, I'm trying to bridge a gap. Like, it's so, and like, he kind of really opened my eyes. My eyes were kind of a bit open, but I didn't want to really admit it. But the bashing side of things and the crawling side of things is freaking huge. Like it's mm-hmm. way bigger than what we do. And I think for RC racer, that's hard to swallow because we're so like Joseph will not give bashing any time of the day. Nothing, nothing at all. I know you're kind of like that too. Um, when I was, with- yeah, but I just consider it a whole different thing. You know, it's right. kind of like, you know, it's kind of like those people who like to make their cars low and use those way too big tires and have them all slanted. Like, yeah, they are car guys, but I have like no interest in interest that. in that. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I like race cars, you know. Right. Both are car people, but it's a completely different world. That's how I would compare bashing to RC cars. Right. Racing, you know? But but we can get like I believe in that girl. We have a whole untouched market to try and get them to racing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I realized that RC racing was in the center of RC. You know, I realized, I was like, yeah. what? How can that be possible? And my buddy, Sean uh, Rusin, what's up, Sean? He always messes. He gets so angry at JQ. He's like, 
man, Jake, you doesn't understand. Sometimes it's fun just to go up there and drive an RC car. I love, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a bachelor. He loves racing and everything. And I was like, I get it, man. Me not having a track here. I get it. Like, I just want to go do some RC stuff, you know, have fun, but it truly is the biggest market, man. And, and, and I know a lot of these bachelor guys say they don't want to race because they feel uncomfortable and stuff. Maybe, maybe it's because we, we take our racing too seriously. Now, I've said this before. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your racing seriously, but you should. I don't think you should be taking your racing on a level of maybe one of these pro guys. Because at the end of the day, this racing isn't going to be paying your bills. Yes, you'll be pissed off at yourself because you didn't do as good as you want. And it's nothing wrong with being competitive and all that type of stuff at all. Nothing wrong with that. But I, I truly feel that if your results ultimately determine you the amount of fun that you've had at a race, it's, it's, it's something wrong because mm-hmm. last race I went to, I had a blast. Mind you, I don't race much, but I, I had, I, I was in a B-main or 40 plus. I was like, I was just happy to be there. I was happy to have fun. It was fun racing with my friends. I get that. It's not like that for everybody. People are uber competitive. But I think that the industry has, how can I put this? Like, Sponsorship doesn't equate to doesn't equate to skill level, but it definitely equates to dream levels and illusion oh, levels. Right? <laughs> and I see too many 30 plus guys get into this maybe for the first time or you know, or and they get into it and they got a sponsorship and or, like over 20, I would say younger, 25 plus guys get into this. If you're 13, 14, and you're telling me that, okay, I'm gonna, I can believe you. I see too many people getting a sponsor, getting way too serious about this, going to race too many classes, spending so much money on this. They talk about RCs too expensive, they can't do a sponsor. But the whole, the, the whole damn industry is built on that. The whole yeah. damn the industry is built on you being sponsored, you racing as many classes as possible, the race promoting, the races, everything, everything we look at in, in, on the American side of things. It's not so much on the European side. And the American side of the thing, like it a lot, is the biggest market, most seen, most vocal. It's out there. It's all... It, it, we take this... I don't want to say we shouldn't take it seriously, but I think we we shouldn't be out there worrying about sponsors and trying to get a better deal and all that type of stuff. We should be competing to be compete. I think it's... it's, it's we need to... Leave. This is, comes back to my whole, we need the pro... Definitive line between pro and joe because it's those guys' job to understand. Like people can say whatever I want, but if you win, if winning DNC and finish tenth at DNC, winning DNC you get this much money and finish tenth, you don't get that much money. You know what I mean? Or if, or you know, if you don't make the A, you don't get probably don't get that much money at all. These guys, there's a there's an elite. Look, there, here is the bottom line of RC. There is an elite group of professional racers in RC that are good enough to make a living at this. Not all of them make a great living. A lot of them have to do a lot of work or they have to work behind the scenes. They have to do things. A lot of them are transitioning. I mean, Jared Tebow is a good, good example. He's doing his JTP, all that type of stuff. There aren't plethora, a plethora of young guys coming through the ranks and being, these guys are still winning. Like, you know what I mean? They're still beating these guys. This isn't, it's, it's, very few people that do this for a living. Very, very few. Very few that make a, a, a great living at doing this. 
and it seems to be dwindling more and more. We need yeah, to. I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I think. I mean, this this has like kind of gone on a tangent to like a, a much tangent. I'm getting back reason. to it. Yeah, I'm getting back but to I it. But I think so. I think just to continue like what you were saying, I think people sort of misunderstand the idea of uh, how actual like professional sports work. You know, like people play football, yes, but they play it as a hobby. Some yes. play it, some play it in games. They have, you know, their team with a couple of friends that they go play every weekend with their buddies. Some go just on the field by themselves and kick into goals. And then there's those who try their best, try to become a pro footballer. We yeah. have that same in RC, but we just don't really understand, like, it would kind Who's of be weird. Like, yeah, we just don't understand this. The gap between bro and Joe is non-existent. And also, the reason why Ronaldo earns that amount of money, it's not because he makes footballers buy football shoes and, you know, footballers buy balls, whatever, you know. That's not why he makes money. He makes money because he promotes to an audience. But mm-hmm. in RC... We have completely dismissed that. We just like, okay, this is not a sport that we're gonna even want to show to anyone else. You know, all we want to do is you win those races, so we get these people buying this semi-expensive equipment, so we can, you know, make it make money out of this. And it's funny because when I tell the sort of market structure of RC to people who understand things about markets but don't really know anything about RC. They're like, how the fuck does it work? Like, why do they pay you? Like, who pays you money? Or who pays you to go to this race? And I'm like, yeah, it happens like this. And they're like, that's weird. Like, that makes no sense. And obviously, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like the sports is kind of like, the sport of RC is kind of milk in itself, you know? It's kind of eating, eating, eating its own hand all the time. And then at some point, it has to come to a point where it's not sustainable. Right. So I think the hard pill to swallow in all this is that realistically, Kevin Talbots, the RC Sparks, the Tom Lee RCs, that other guy, Raj Sharifin, who does the speed runs, the Mark Santa Maria's, to the outside world, they are the true superstars of RC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They are because they are the most, those guys, Kevin Talbot, RC Sparks, Tom Lee RC, and Mark Santa Maria has 90, almost 100. Kevin Talbot's got like a million. He, Two you know, almost. yeah. And 1. then RC Sparks, right. RC Sparks has been doing like, he was the OG guy. That's the guy. I, I, I consume so much of these guys content. Now for us racers, we may look at it and be like, oh, this is so like, we don't like this. This is, you know, we're also geeking out on our racing thing. And then people were like, well, we spend so much money on RC racing. Yes, you do. But so do these people who buy, go buy thousand dollar X maxes without mm-hmm. blinking an eye, you know? That's the yeah. reason why Traxxas is focused on them and not RC races. Yeah. So it's it's a hard pill to swallow that we aren't the center of the RC universe. Yeah. But I think it's people, I think it's the best to understand like Adidas doesn't make money selling the highest high-end football shoe. The one that only those people who want to become a pro footballer buy. That's not where they make money. Adidas makes money selling the most basic football shoe there is that all those people who go to kick the ball with their friends on the weekend. That's Adidas where, makes money off sneakers. That's what they okay, make money. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if we're talking strictly from right. the sports side of things, yeah. 
But in RC, like the business is completely separate. Like, you know, there's brands that do purely bashing and then brands that do purely racing. So there is no point, there's like no structure that's going to make the racing scene like benefit from the bashing scene. Like, and to be honest, with the current structure of the market and the way the business in RC racing works, there's no point for someone like Traxxas to come in, you know? No. But it kind of, if RC was a sport that made racing RC cars look cool, that would actually be worth something, you know? Like, they, it, it's 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 not a coincidence Traxxas markets at, you know, full-scale short courses. You know, they have their own team, you know? They, have, mm-hmm. they used to have, um, what you call those, the Monster Jam. They used mm-hmm. to sponsor a car there. So, like, that's because they have some exposure, some audience. You know, yes, yeah, some might may argue RC is never going to have that. But, like, the way the business is structured right now, it's not it's not going to be sustainable. It's kind of like... I agree with we you. We've been limit. over this. We have a cap. We've been over this know? a lot. And it, yeah. I just wanted, I just wanted because I, I think... Some of the racers gave him a hard time. Like, I think they thought he was saying not to be competitive. And it's not, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He just said that these races, you can take more from it than just your results. And I think, 100%. I don't think that hurt people. I think, I think the realization to realize that, hey, RC racing isn't the center of the RC universe. It, it just isn't. And then we can oh, blow that even yeah. out of the world. Like we didn't even want to start talking about the aviation side of things and all that stuff. So yeah. Well, yeah, we might have these superstars. Now we do have superstars within our our industry, like the, mm-hmm. the pro drivers, they are our superstar. And they are the closest things we have to professional athletes out of any of the RC genres. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if we if yeah. we are we they are when like athletes, I use athletes in a quote unquote, because they're not out there physically doing it, but they are the superstars or super athletes of our sport because people will say it's not a sport, but at that level, it's a sport in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't think like, obviously it's still not, you know, these guys don't train like professional athletes would train, but I think the level of drivers we have now like the top, top of RC, they are at a very high level, you know, as right. like professionals. But the thing is, like, it stops really soon, you know. It's there's maybe like let's say 30 guys in the world who mm-hmm. make their money based on just their skill, you know, not just not marketing, not all that, just their skill. Oh yeah, we lost well, you. But lost I would say, people. I would say, you know what? I say this all the time. I say I use Ronafalk for an, exa- an, an example. I say Ronafalk, if he had chosen golf, he would have been a professional golfer. You know, oh, because he has so the too, attitude and, you know? the, and it. So these guys do have something that the other people don't have. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely that's like it's 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 quite evident when you know lots of these guys when if they like for example, Kobevic is a great example of. Um, like he's very good at football. Like he has been in the best like youth teams in Nor- Norway mm-hmm. and all that. But he's also very very talented in RC. So it's not like these people are just like right. happen to be good in RC. People are talented because they're talented, 
And I right. think the top end will always be the top end. But then how deep the field is, that's the question here. Very, it's very like, shallow. Yes. And it drops off fast. You you yeah. say 30. I'm not even there. I'm 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 less than 30. I think but, I mean if you take all classes, like you take mm-hmm. everyone in touring, everyone in like nitro on road, everyone in like you get you get 30 on the list, I think. I would but, say so. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I, I think just to like circle back to the Santa Maria video on my part, I think he was exactly right. Like I worked at a hobby shop for a summer and I didn't I knew the bashing side was big. I mean, I knew this hobby shop, what they sold probably like 80%, 90% was like uh, RTR stuff. But when I was there and people walked in, like I'd sell what, three to five, you know, RTRs, like mm-hmm. not not like the cheapest RTRs, like mm-hmm. Armor Granites, you know, those like good, like, not like cheap, like 400 euro uh, yeah. RTRs. I'd, I'd sell easily three to five a day, you know. Then once in a while, someone would come in. Like I'd probably sell uh, like Armor Craton once a week, you know. So it's like you do you time that by 52. And I believe like the units that a big hobby shop um, in like a semi-big area, they could easily sell like a thousand, you know, 300 euro RTRs. Try asking like some big brand like associated TLI if they ever sold a thousand, you know, B3.6s or what you call B6.3s a year. I doubt it that they sell a thousand. Really? I mean, not, not like, not like maybe around the world. Yes. Okay. But if you think like America on, on its own, and we're talking here one hobby shop, this is not like even a full country. It's just one hobby shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all I know is like my buddy, Jimmy says, a nitro is the glory, but tracks is pays the bills. Uh, Mark Sandria, great video. Keep up the good work, man. Uh, it, it was, a, it, it, it's a hard pill to swallow. And, I understand how racist felt because I felt the same way. Then I figured out that Bashan was much bigger than RC, RC racing. So, but it, it's so much. A lot of that has been social media, YouTube, and just people just like to go out there and, and have fun, you know. And we do have to, we do have to tap into that somehow. We do have to do more welcome towards that. Um, all right, Max. I think that's it. Uh, I think that's it for today. We're going to call it a day, yeah. not a long yeah. podcast. Thank you for your time. Good buddy. Thank you, Will, for your time. Uh, thank you to all of the patrons. Sorry, all of the NNRC squad around the world. We greatly appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that sub notification, like or dislike button, leave a comment and uh, share if you can, as well as uh, join off, follow our socials, Instagram. We're, you know, I want to get that back up after I lost it. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, that's where our main thing is. Uh, check us out at the NNRC pod, no name RC podcast on Facebook. We also have a TikTok. <clears throat> and of course, we want to grow this YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on an audio platform, please leave a review. That helps us out a lot as well. And uh, we appreciate that. Max, uh, sorry, not Max. Uh, patrons of the NNRC and YouTube members, thank you for your extra support. If you guys like what we're doing and want to get some extra perks of the Patreon and YouTube membership, 
uh, or just want to support us, uh, you can. The links for that are written in the are in the written description of this podcast. And uh, thank you to these awesome companies for all their continued support. They are Invisible Speed, <clears throat> excuse me, Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Mayako, Sun Pedal USA, TNR Fuels, Techno RC, Beach RC, Clinic RC. Shout out to Tony and uh, Vicky Newland. Lugs Racing Tires, Ignite Design RC. Get those gas truck conversions, guys. Remember, we have a, a link. Save 10% on that. Racecraft USA, you can save 10% on that as well. Call RC, 10%. Uh, <laughs> RCGP, House of RC, Roundfuck Racing, JTP RC. Uh, good luck once again to Robert Badier and everybody at the Montpellier GP, which you will be able to see on RC Mag. I will be posting all the links for that on uh, the NNRC Facebook and Patreon and in the Discord. Max, I think that's it. We're going, we're out. Thank you. You can't salute us, but uh, thank you and Will yeah. for your time. I'll see you next week, dude, Professor Max. See you guys next week. I will be very pleased to answer all your questions and there we uh, go. Give my give my eloquent answers. Eloquent answers. Eloquent. All right, Max. I will see you later. Enjoy. Watch. Enjoy uh, Montpellier JB. If you watch it, I know I will. Thank you for your time, good buddy. Talk to you later, Lefty and Max. Well. <laughs>